passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind a Raw with John Pollock and Wei Ting with you here on this Monday night, Tuesday morning, whenever you are listening to it. Thank you for tuning in. Hello, Wei. Hey, John. How you doing? I'm doing superb. Why is that? You know what, you know what I'm drinking right now? Water. I'm drinking water. Oh, beautiful. Happy to hear it. Is we're concerned. Does this have yeah? Does this have anything to do with uh, our conversation last week? Yeah, it's it's weird. Whenever I will get comments because we do these shows, and I don't want to say they don't have a lasting impact on me, but we do so many of these. Way I just file every conversation, especially we have. this month. Yeah, it's just everything's a blur, and even even when it's not G one season, there are so many times that I will get like a comment from someone. And the response, my response is, how do they know that? And I'm just <laughs> assuming it's like a private conversation we've had. It's like, you and I don't have private conversations. It's like everything is being somehow on a show. It's being recorded. And I was like, oh, I must have said that on a show with you talking about my, my water intake. But anyway, I do re- recall that conversation because it was only a few days ago. But it was that. it was on a G1 show, wasn't it? Sure. <laughs> I bet it was. Yeah. I'm just thinking about when I got my water bottle, which spurred this conversation. And uh, <laughs> were, were you here with a water bottle or? No, I was. I, I have no idea. I, was I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to trace back the, like a conversation from like two days ago. I think I think it was. When was the last G1 show? Uh, Sunday, <laughs> wasn't it? It was, um, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. We had a Saturday, I, Sunday this past I week. I feel we had this conversation just yesterday, then. <laughs> if not the day before. God, yesterday was Sunday, dude. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm does, saying does maybe that we feel did weird. It. Like it doesn't, if Sunday feels like that show feels like a long time ago and it was yesterday morning. Well, a lot has happened since then, of course. Um, uh, we, we we watched a, an edition of Raw. We uh, uh, earlier this morning there was a Becky Lynch conference call, which I took part in, and they uh, we we recorded an edition of Ask Away that is set to be released on Wednesday, a little early for our cafe patrons this month. Yes, I'm uh, I'm excited uh, to to play this clip later because it was waiting on this conference call and. I knew that you were going to grab a clip from this conference call. And man, I was delighted when I clicked on this and it was 
a question from Wei Ting himself. And I think Wei clearly one of the uh, the best questions of the whole conference call. Well, um, this whole conference call is up uh, on our cafe feed right now. So if you choose to listen to it, uh, please go ahead. But I, I will say, I, I don't, I'm not sure how much people are going to necessarily get as far as information goes out out of this conference call, other than you know, the clip that you might hear uh, on this particular show, because um, these conference calls are like <laughs> some of them are tough, and I think it's really a great insight questions. into what some of these performers have to do on a relatively routine basis and i have all the admiration in the world for uh whether it is fighters uh wrestlers that have all these media demands and you pretty much you know sometimes you'll you'll hear a story of someone like kind of losing it but they're pretty rare it's like they do it with a smile on their face and i have all the credit in the world because i could not imagine being in that in that position if the roles were reversed and being able to uh pull that off as much as they have to well, especially Becky Lynch, who I think from all accounts seems to be somebody who, despite I'm sure all the media requests that she's getting, uh, I was marveling at how well she was kind of accepting all of these questions, despite, you know, maybe bad bad connections. She did her best trying to make some of these um, <laughs> questionable questions, I'll say, uh, into somewhat interesting soundbite. So if anything, I thought maybe the whole thing was worth listening just for that, to see how somebody like Becky Lynch is able to navigate through it all. Um, I got to find out what she looks for in a man. <laughs> somebody asked that. Um, was your question? No, it was not. No. Um, she <laughs> says every man is different and she can't oh, generalize. God, I was drinking my water there. Jeez, I wasn't prepared for that. Yeah, um, so, you know, it, fun, you know, uh, hopefully we'll be doing a few more of these, um, but um, great, great, you know, I, I felt bad for her, honestly, knowing that, you know, she was backstage at Raw, probably, you know, getting set for like a big, big a day's worth of television and having to sit there for close to an hour to, to answer some of these questions, I was kind of amazed. I remember uh, when I was very, very young and... Uh, this would have been around 2005, and I'll, I'll always remember this compliment because it, it made me feel like I was I was doing I, I was at least going in in the right direction, even if maybe my uh, presentation skills maybe were not uh, up to my liking, especially if I listen now. But I remember interviewing John Cena, and it was kind of just going through any any question you can imagine, like um, you know that you would have, that knowing kind of the uh, the behind the scenes stuff and answering questions such, such as that and I, I did the interview and then afterwards he like made a point to like really thank me and said i really like doing those kinds of interviews i don't always get to do ones like that so that to me is i imagine it's uh you know so, sometimes i feel that uh wrestling media get, gets painted with with a certain brush and i always kind of push back against that and i feel that a lot of the performers uh, especially if it's done in a respectful way i think they much more prefer to just speak about real topics as opposed to a, a lot of fluff. And I think we sometimes underestimate how many of those kinds of interviews they have to do ad nauseum where they're going to the local TV station where they're looking at their run sheet uh, 30 minutes before going to air. Oh, we've got a WWE wrestler coming in and it's going to be a very surface level interview. And they are great in doing those kinds of interviews because they understand like that is who the audience here is of people that are probably not going to be buying tickets, but we have to try and come across as, you know, the most uh, uh, fan-friendly entertainers that are appealing to an audience that probably doesn't know who we are. So, I mean, that is a skill. 
Certainly, yeah. And and you know, some of these outlets I suppose they're they're not necessarily people who like cover wrestling uh, full time like us and so they're going to have to like ask questions that really kind of satisfy more of a local uh slant or something sure. that that you know caters towards an audience that obviously is not an audience like ours who cares about, you know, certain topics that our audience would care about. It would be more so things like what is the first thing you look for in a man, Becky Lynch? And I I I do respect that um but you know, I think um mm, I, I I suppose it 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 just kind of shows the wide variety of of uh, audiences that WWE wrestlers uh, kind of have to cater to with, with interviews like these. All right. Well, we will get to that. Uh, and maybe we'll talk a bit more about uh, his experience on this conference call. Uh, but where shall we start off uh, first way? I guess we should mention uh, last week we did this and I think we're going to continue uh, to do the prize giveaway on Tuesdays on Rewind to SmackDown. So uh, we will be moving that over. Uh, there's quite a lot on Mondays, I find, uh, with, with the news and with everything else. So I think we're going to spread that out. And Tuesday is the new night that we will be doing our draw, which is uh, eligible for all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe to win a Post Wrestling prize pack from the Post Wrestling store, which uh, rumor has it, way there's a sale going on for another two weeks. Until the end of the G1, so as long as we uh, continue with, with this schedule, we'll also be giving 20% off to all patrons. So now is really the perfect time to give the post-wrestling Patreon a try. Patreon.com slash post-wrestling or postwrestlingcafe.com. Yes, and we greatly appreciate all the feedback to the G1 shows that we've been doing. There will be four this week and a total of five shows up on the post-wrestling cafe uh, from now until Sunday. So we'll quickly run through those. Uh, first off, the G1 shows will be dropping Tuesday, Thursday, and then Saturday and Sunday are the Osaka shows. So all of those will be out uh, for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. Uh, Rewind to SmackDown will be out Tuesday night. That'll feature our prize giveaway. Uh, and time permitting, I'm going to try and listen to the Austin interview with Hulk Hogan because I imagine that's going to be a, an interesting discussion. So time permitting, I'm going to try and listen to that uh, to discuss Tuesday night. Special Wednesday edition of Ask Away this month. We are not going to be putting out on Friday. Instead, it will come out Wednesday. There's no G1 show that day. So a break in the schedule and thus uh, Ask Away. I think it's about 90 minutes of Way and I answering your questions. So you can look forward to that. Thursday, we have the Cafe Hangout live at 3 p.m. Eastern time as always. And this week, Way, our guest is... Rich Krejci from Voices of Wrestling, one half of the uh, mastermind team behind the Voices of Wrestling Network. And uh, he will be joining us for... Uh, just, a, I would say, a bit more of a general chat about the news. Uh, we find that, you know, uh, for the Hangout, we've received probably a lot more positive feedback when we start off with something perhaps topical. And this week, we're going to try doing that with uh, uh, somebody who who is uh, a friend of the network, Rich Krejci from Voices of Wrestling. So he'll be joining us at the top of the show, uh, talking about anything that's in the news, and as well, uh, talking a bit about the G1 thus far. Yeah, I'm looking forward to having Rich on. Uh, so that'll be taking place Thursday. Uh, lots of topics to discuss with Rich. Then on, uh, we go into the weekend where we have the G1 Climax shows. Uh, tentatively, we may have a, a special show out on Friday. Uh, so mm -hmm. you can pay attention to that. It'll be on the free feed. I don't want to officially announce it yet, but it'll most likely be there. Also uh, up next on Thursday? Oh, yes. I skipped up next. That is on Thursday. Braden and Davey, as we get uh, one week closer to the TakeOver special. And I believe this week we will know... Uh, Jordan Miles' opponent for the breakout tournament final at TakeOver, which was taped a while back, but will air this week. Uh, and Davey will be excited as to who wins. Cruel Summer this weekend, WH Park. 
I am excited about this one way. On Saturday, WH Park and Mike Murray. The O'Grady's oh. connection have come together, and they will be chatting the G1 from 2009, featuring the final between Shinsuke Nakamura and Togi Makabe. I am, uh, this, this should be a lot of fun with these two. Yeah, absolutely. Hearing Mike talk about to- Togi Makabe. Um, I, I have a request. I don't know when WH uh, might have recorded this particular episode. I forget. But maybe for the next series that WH does, I think he needs to get Vivian Murray, Mike's daughter. Oh, that would be great. Yes. Who, um, currently in the standings, Mike is only (laughs) one point above uh, daughter Vivian in the G1 contest. So, you know, we'll we'll see at the end of this uh, G1 who the real expert is. And then Sunday, WH is back again, uh, chatting the 2010 G1 final. Uh, He's going to be with a returning co-host with Striga. The man behind uh, the yeah. Eastern Lariat podcast with uh, Dylan Fox, uh, who has also been on the show, did a great show covering the 1998 final. Uh, they're going to be discussing Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Satoshi Kojima. And if you want to catch up on these cruel summers, uh, I definitely recommend uh, this past weekend. He had Joel Abraham on and Alan Farrell. And this Alan Farrell show was awesome. It was just uh Talking about wrestling message board wars in the mid 2000s. I mean, Alan is an, the encyclopedia, in my opinion, of wrestling history. And the trivia where he has to go through and figure out the different champions at the time of 2008 when this G1 was going on and to just pretty much hear his brain work with something else. I, I highly recommend uh, checking that out. I highly recommend the Joel Abraham show as well, talking about Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Yuji Nagata. Uh, Joel actually did a great deal of research on his own that even uh, stumped WH Park a little bit. So um, WH is just like bringing all the all the greatest minds of uh, pro wrestling podcasting out. Rookie of the year. I mean, WH isn't a rookie, but in terms of being in this host role uh, with, with, a, with a rookie show, breakout Maybe, performer, yeah. he's, uh, best he, new he's edition. The, he's the Lance Archer, I would say. Oh, uh, post wrestling this year. I don't know if he'll appreciate that or not, but that definitely comes with love. If you've been listening to our G1 reviews of uh, Mr. Archer's performances. Well, he dresses better than Lance Archer, of course. Did you like in my news update today, way? I pretty much uh, you and I did our predictions at the end of the G1 and then we kind of just do them on the spot. And then today I actually like went through and logically thought them out. So I changed up a bunch of my predictions. I think it's like 100 percent Lance Archer's beating Kazuchika Okada or at least 95 percent sure after I predicted Okada. We shall see. You know, I, I mean, after after I think seeing the Naito Moxley result, I, I don't know if anything's really guaranteed at this point. Unless my math is screwed up. If Okada wins on Tuesday morning, then Will Ospreay is out. And I can't see that happening. And Sonata would be out too, ahead of their Osaka match. So I think Lance Archer is going to beat Okada, which was completely your prediction. And it was your prediction uh, before this past show too. You've been kind of calling this one for uh, a couple shows now. And I think it's going to come true. We shall see. All right. So you can check out the whole schedule, postwrestling.com. And, of course, you can sign up, postwrestlingcafe.com. Five cafe shows coming out this week between the G1 and Ask Away. Let's go on over to the news. And there was a, a decent amount of news coming out. I guess the uh, the biggest story was a lawsuit that's been filed by Jerry Lawler, a wrongful death lawsuit against uh, – the, the county jail that had uh, incarcerated Brian Lawler and where he died last year. Uh, this was the Hardeman County Jail. Uh, and, of course, those it was actually a year to the day 
that Brian Lawler died. And it was ruled a suicide at the time. And Lawler has kind of talked over the past year about his suspicions about all of this. And then the lawsuit has come out and uh, lists a number of defendants here, including uh, John Doolin, who is the sheriff um, that Lawler uh, dealt with. It's it's a tragic story anytime you're talking about uh, a suicide, uh, a death uh, of someone that was only 46 years old. But um, the details in this suit about Lawler, essentially Brian Lawler was arrested for a DUI and evading police uh, and also was driving with a revoked license. So he was arrested on July the 7th and his death occurred on July 29th. And Jerry was in contact with this sheriff and according to Jerry Lawler, it was the sheriff that convinced Jerry to keep him in jail because he needs help and they would be able to provide him help in the jail. And rather than posting the bond, they left him there. And obviously that's something I can't imagine um, what, what Jerry Lawler lives with now uh, thinking about that, that here he was, you know, trying to help his son and this is the outcome and he tells this chilling story in the press conference today about taking a photo of Brian after he had died, sending it to the sheriff and stating, remember when you told me that you were going to keep Brian safe? And the sheriff just responded, I'm sorry for your loss. And they go over that this jail was not equipped to handle, uh, uh, to, to prevent a suicide. The fact that Brian had disclosed that he had dealt with uh, past suicide attempts, but because they had happened prior to two years before the time of his arrest, they listed him as a no on a yes or no question about if he had attempted suicide before. And, you know, they're just pointing out that this was not a conducive environment for someone that admitted to uh, past suicide attempts that had struggled with anxiety and depression and ultimately died in this jail. So they are seeking Jerry Lawler's suit. They're seeking $3 million along with punitive damages and wanting to see changes here to this jail that they are more equipped and have, I guess, a better protocol. It's it's a devastating story. And this family, obviously, this is not something you ever get past. And a wrongful death lawsuit is not going to change any of that. But it's, you know, it's... Certainly a case that we'll have to hear the uh, the, the county's uh, response to this, and it looks like they will get their day in court. But it's it doesn't paint a very um, promising picture here, uh, at least from the prosecution side, the plaintiff side. I have no idea, you know, what proper protocol might be for for a case like this, whether or not, you know, but obviously Lawler feels like he has, uh, you know, some some grounds for a lawsuit. Um, I I. I feel terrible for him and, and his entire family. Um, and, you know, as we know with like court cases, it's he's going to have to confront a lot of these details just head on um, probably for a long, long time before this whole thing is settled. Um, and but hopefully by that point, whenever that point is it arrives, um, he's he's able to, you know, come to some conclusion that he might be satisfied with. So uh, I, I wish I wish uh, I wish everybody the best. It's it's just a very, very sad story. And I mean, just obviously this family wants some kind of conclusion about what exactly happened in this jail. And, you know, it's 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 just a very tough story when you look at it and feel like this, maybe it could have been preventable. And that's, I guess, the answer that they're 
they're ultimately seeking. All Elite Wrestling announced on Monday the ticket information for their first uh, televised show, which will be October the 2nd at the Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. Tickets are going to go on sale this Friday, and they're pricing the tickets way at $20, $35, $50, $75, $90, and they top out at $250 for the first three rows, which come with a commemorative chair. Um, they're adverti- At least on the advertising material, they're listing all the major names, Omega, The Bucks, Jericho, Moxley, Hangman, Cody, uh, Brandy Rhodes, Dr. Britt Baker. Those are the performers featured. And this is going to be, I guess, the, the next interesting one. This is a Wednesday night show. It's a very historic event uh, running a very large arena. And if we guesstimate that this is around, say, 16,000 people, are you feeling that Friday night we're going to be looking at this and saying, wow, these guys did it again? Or is there more... Um, are you more conservative in the estimate this time around? Yeah, being that I, I know initially, like, you know, predicted the sellout um, rather quickly. But, you know, thinking about that, that this is on a Wednesday in a town that isn't necessarily maybe as conducive to, like, vacationing, um, I would say, certainly not on a Wednesday. Uh, you would certainly wonder, like, do they have the audience that would travel to fill that arena within Washington itself? Are there 16,000 people that are willing to go to see a wrestling show? Um, or driving. I think that driving, yeah. that that's kind of the. I think you're not looking at a flying audience, but more so a driving audience. Mm-hmm. That you will get people out of state coming to this. I, I feel. Yeah. Um, and and I don't think that the barometer should be sixteen thousand tickets. That that should be kind of they don't hit that mark. This is somehow not mm-hmm. successful. I would say if you sell, I, I would say eight thousand tickets. I think that that's a really it's a really strong start, and it's on par yeah. with what I would predict the raw to do in Washington. Now, how would that look on TV? Um, I, I think 8,000 will look, it'll, it'll look fine. I mean, they're, they're going to scale the building to, you know, not look uh, gigantic. Like um, new Japan looked at the American airlines center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Depending on how they make it look, I, I think it can, um, it, 8,000 sounds pretty good to me, but um, I, again, I feel like everybody has always, um, I would say underestimated these guys. Thinking about the historical significance of this being the first AEW show, I I would maybe err more on the estimate of, of it being closer to uh, the, the 10,000 or above mark. I certainly don't feel like price has that much to do with it. You know, I think if I you're going to... I don't think so. I think these are very, you know... Um, yeah. If you're going to show up, if you're going to make the drive, you're going to be willing to pay, you know, at least double uh, or even triple like what some of these advertised prices are to get your ticket. Uh, but they're very fair prices, and maybe this will encourage a lot of the locals that are, you know, like, oh, something to do on a Friday night. Ah, I heard about this thing. Ah, it's only 20 bucks. Okay, I'll show up. I'll check it out. Um, maybe that'll encourage that audience. But it's a very fan-friendly price, and I think it's a price that, you know, is more um, uh, targeted towards aiming for that sellout rather than necessarily uh, making the most profit. Yeah, and there's also two months here before this show. And I'm also kind of interested to see like we'll have this on sale on Friday. How quick do they start putting tickets on sale for the next, the, the next, the subsequent shows right afterwards? It's going to be a lot of tickets going on sale in quick fashion that you're going to have to, you know, this one's going to get so much attention. It's the first one, but they're, they're going to have to get, if you want two months of leeway uh, before the show, they're going to have to be putting tickets on sale pretty quickly for the other venues to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I think, you know, the big question is how many they sell on that first day. And if they don't sell all of them on the first day, whether or not whatever happens at All Out might either build interest um, or maybe maybe just kind of, you know, maintain interest for uh, this very first show. Do you believe October the 2nd way will feature CM Punk appearing on TNT? I think that's such a big... I'm going to say no. No. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be the topic probably discussed for the next six weeks. Mm-hmm. And, and it could change over that time. Uh, All Elite Wrestling has also signed Chris Van Vliet as a new, uh, as a new member of their uh, broadcast team. He's going to be starting with the October 2nd uh, television show on TNT and... I guess last week was, you know, a strong hint towards this when he was featured in the Road to All Out series. And yeah, I, I'm not surprised that they went after him. I think he's a, a really talented interviewer. And I guess people are going to look and see, uh, is this going to mean that he will continue doing his interviews or not? Or if he's just like, this is going to be a lot of traveling for him if he's doing the the show every week. And I guess would have access if they wanted him to do interviews with AEW talent. Yeah, we had speculated whether or not, you know, this would affect his um, or a continued relationship with AEW might affect his uh, WWE interviews. But I mean, if one person's offering you a full time job, I I can definitely understand why, you know, you would sacrifice potential WWE interviews for for something like that. Um, you know, from what I've seen, he's a great interviewer. Uh, I liked him a lot on camera. I might have even liked him more than Shivani, to be honest with you, just so that you don't even get that, like, you know, constant comparison to, to the nostalgia. Um I, I like him in that control. This definitely role. is a response to, you know, the the Road Two series. I'm not even saying it was a bad thing, but you're right. Like it was very much transforming you or t- transporting you back to Saturday nights at six oh five, and this is certainly um, a definite new. You know, go, going with with a, with a more youthful yeah. uh, presentation with, with Chris. Sure, it seems like though they have like they have a number of backstage interviewers now, and maybe they need that many, but. Um, for a two-hour show once a week, I'm trying to, like, you know, because there's uh, Alicia Atout, who have we seen recently? She, I mean, she hasn't been on any of the the Road 2 specials. I don't think she's... Was she even at, like, Fight I for the Fallen? I don't think she was or? on either of the Fighter Fest or Fight for the Fallen shows. I don't I don't recall seeing it, her on it was, either it, of those. Yeah, and it was the other interviewer. I forget the name of uh, at the moment, but the... the Oh, Jen Durden. Jen Durden, that's right. That's yes. right. That's so, right. They used her. They've got her, and they've got uh, um, uh, obviously now Chris Van Vliet, and seems like um, um, uh, Alex Marvez might have some type of backstage role from time to time as well. So they're definitely building up that team. Um, Jen Sturger, I Sturger. messed up her last name. Right. Okay. Uh, close. So I mean that team's getting quite big, and and I, I I I'm I'm trying to you know we we await to see what specific role each person might play. All right, moving on from that, uh, we also had uh, – oh, I want to just ask you just your, your feedback just this weekend, just general impressions of the changes to the WWE Network as you've had maybe some time to look at it. I I had to go through all these issues with uh, going through my Canadian uh, login, uh, but I've, I've figured that out now, and it's it's a much improved login procedure where I used to have to go through about seven or eight different – like clicks before I could finally get in and it's much easier now. So that's oh, yeah? been already a positive. Yeah. Well, that's good. Like, did you have to do any, anything different to, to log in for? No, it's just less steps. And it's also, um, yeah, it's just, I don't have to go through 
putting in my my Rogers login info, my WWE Network login, and then several other like oh, click to watch and this and this. And like seriously, I think I showed you once. It's like seven steps to get yeah. into the network, and it w- every time had to do that. I used to do it too. Um, now I actually like I got my account through like a American PayPal, so I don't. I just like log right in. Um, from what I've seen. It definitely, to me, I think the layout is better. Um, I I do feel like there are some kinks that they have to uh, manage. To me, like I love the fact that you can scrub through the timeline and see a thumbnail of like whatever you're scrubbing to. I know I don't know if that works for everything, but like at least for the current shows, you're able to do that, and, and that helps. But I have had an instance where like it was kind of missed time, so what displayed in the thumbnail was not necessarily what what portion of the show that that it ended up landing on but i'm sure in like you know version 1.2 or or 2.0 they'll they'll figure everything out uh i like the search the search to me works really well you if you type in like i was testing it earlier today like typing out you know the most random names i could think of like oh how many lager matches on the wwe network and like they displayed everything no they have a number of them like i mean obviously a bunch of wcw um, oh yeah, I'm not, I was yeah, I'm blanking on like WCW, of course. Yeah, I'm thinking more WWE matches. Yeah, uh, but you know, like you you try that out yourself, and like even like typing in like a Tom McGee, the thing like two Tom McGee matches on on the WWE Network right now. Um, so yeah, that- I tried it out like typing in specific like matches, and the match came out like they they have the actual match isolated. Great, excellent. Yeah, so the search function works well. I will say the superstar tab. Um, I don't know how useful that is as yet. I think for current stars, it might work really well, but like they don't have profile pages for everybody listed yet. So if you're looking for a specific person, I recommend just going to the search function instead. Um, Everything else, you know, you still kind of have like a bit of a weird uh, way of finding everything where like things are spread out, spread out between originals in ring. And then like raw SmackDown and NXT have their own specific tabs for some reason. Um, Maybe certain people, maybe that's just what they just discovered was the most popular on on, on the show, on, on the network or something. But um, overall, I think it's an improvement. My favorite feature, perhaps, though, it's far easier now to find or uh, to change the languages within, um, like, the current uh, modern pay-per-views. When they, you know, you know, whenever they pan through all the announce tables and you see, like, the, all the commentary teams, you can yep. just, like, click on that mod- uh, the, the little gear icon and you can select the language. I recorded, actually... I screen captured like a little bit of um uh sampling of this. Uh and in particular it was from a spot during the Braun Strowman Bobby Lashley match from Extreme Rules that just passed where if you remember Bobby Lashley threw Bo- or Strowman threw Lashley directly into uh the Japanese announce table. Right. <laughs> and uh, I tweeted this thing out dude like it's like my most retweeted like thing ever. So um if you want to see a bit of a clip of that just go on my Twitter timeline. Yeah, I guess, you know, it's a small thing. Like, the schedule, you used to be able to go, like, almost two weeks in advance, and you could see the schedule, which, I mean, wasn't the the most uh, necessary function. But now it's just kind of the day of. So if you're trying to look ahead of any upcoming program, you can't really do that. Uh, And if you were in Canada and your login, uh, that's now a dead link. So now I I had some people contact me about this, but you have to go to watch.wwe.com to log in and I, that will I think get you that's, in if you're in Canada. And I think that's the, the general for, one. Yeah. That's the link for everybody. Yeah, yeah. It's just, that's what you have to go through because prior you had to go to a specific login for your, if you were in Canada uh, to log in with your uh, cable provider. 
I also want to make mention uh, a listener of ours, Des Delgadillo, who uh, right. um, um, is visually uh, impaired. He wrote an excellent, like, whole kind of article talking about some of the limitations of the new WWE Network for visually impaired people. So hopefully that gets enough people to to read it so that WWE Network can, can uh, 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 issue some of those changes. That is an article called WWE Network's, Network's Accessibility Foibles for Blind and Visually Impaired Users that exists on our website, postwrestling.com. Yeah, and I actually sent that to the WWE Network's uh, technical support. So I'm hoping they get back to us uh, with something uh, because it's something I... I didn't even I, I would have never realized if mm-hmm. Des hadn't uh, uh, pointed it out. So I'm really glad he did and, and wrote that um, v- very well written and uh, yeah. a breakdown of all of it. Like that's what he does for a living is like looking at uh, functionality of different websites. And he did it here for the WWE Network and the problems he's had to undergo with the new version of the network, which is not something people would be aware of, I'm sure. Uh, one more news item. Uh, Tanil Dashwood, it was announced uh, from Impact's Twitter uh, during Raw, actually, that she is signed with Impact Wrestling. Yeah, this was uh, mentioned on Monday night by Impact. I think that it's, you know, she she was kind of hurt by injuries, and in, or at least one injury in Ring of Honor. I think a shoulder injury that took her out for a few months and really didn't catch fire in ROH. But you know what? The Women of Honor division has not really caught fire. I think... Um, it just, you know, she really didn't do much there. I think Impact is going to be a noticeably better uh, setup for her because their knockouts division, I, I think, is one of the best things they have at the moment. And hopefully she, this is a division where she can thrive in. And I like the fact that Impact is adding more women to their division and trying to build up the knockouts division because that is one of their staples presently. I think it's a perfect addition. Um, she, you know, carries somewhat like she does carry name value. And I think it's a it's a division that really seems like it's it's getting gaining a lot of momentum. Um, I hope she's used well and I hope she gets the success that maybe she didn't receive in uh, Ring of Honor. And the final thing um, is ways discussion with Becky Lynch. So discussion, I think, please. Well, you spoke with her. It way, was one and it, question. It was it was. Uh, well, wasn't it a second one? And the, the second one didn't. I tried the, to get a second one in there and she kayfabed me. So yeah, you can so. listen to the full, full version for that. Yeah, we uh, we cut that one out. But uh, first of all, let's let's hear the clip. This is waiting in conversation with Becky Lynch. I was very curious to know uh, for Extreme Rules, the build with uh, yours and Seth Rollins uh, intergender match with uh, uh, Lacey Evans and Baron Corbin. Uh, I wanted to know what yours and Seth's first reaction was to upon learning that creative wanted to make your real life story li- uh, relationship into a storyline. And ultimately, how did you enjoy the experience? Thank you. Honestly, I was very apprehensive um, just because uh, I don't know that uh, I don't know that we needed to see what I didn't want was everybody talking about the relationship right like what I wanted was two badasses two people at the top of their game fighting side by side not for the world to be reminded every five minutes that this is uh, Becky Lynch's boyfriend or that's Seth Rollins' girlfriend um which, of course, they didn't do. They were the masters of subtlety. Um, so, uh, yeah, so so for that reason, I was apprehensive. But when I thought about it, I was like, okay, no, we can make it. Well, one, we're going to make this a badass fight. It's going to be a great fight. Um, 
and no matter what, like you put me and Seth Rollins in a match, you know that you're going to get um, pure passion and uh, we're going to pull out all the stops. But uh, as, in terms of like having my relationship be the freaking front and center of, of that's not what I'm about. That's not, that's not what I've worked towards. That's not what I wanted. Um, I wanted to work with Seth because he's the best in the business. Um, you know, besides me. Uh, but I just, th- those were my uh, apprehensions. But um, working with him was awesome. Um, he really is. He's, 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 he's the best. Um, but like I said, I had those reservations. There you go. Wei Ting speaking with Becky Lynch about the pairing of Becky with Seth Rollins. And I found her, I laughed out loud at her response when she uh, <laughs> very, very sarcastically noted WWE, the, the masters of subtlety, uh, not wanting them to make everything about her being Seth's girlfriend. And I mean, we talked about it every single week. It almost became like it was a rule. Every time Becky and Seth were on screen, we had to mention that is Seth's girlfriend. That is Becky's boyfriend. And it never ended. And they did it tonight. They did it tonight. They're not even attached anymore on screen, and they're still doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was certainly obnoxious for us to even watch. I can't imagine what it must have been like for her uh, or Seth to constantly have to to expose themselves like that to an audience. And thankfully, you know, Becky is at a point, and she's kind of like, she's at a point now where she can speak incredibly truthfully and, and not really suffer any repercussions. And I felt like this was at least uh, it seemed like a very genuine answer from her. I think Seth has, um, I, I didn't think it was much, much difference. I think, um, I think he's in relatively a, a same spot. I think a, any backlash towards Seth has been more so for his, uh, his off screen comments, but I, I really do feel that the, you know, the four or five weeks of Becky and Seth, I think it did kind of cool off Becky a bit. And they're trying now to get her back to the role. She was as kind of this rebel that is, kind of more in that that Austin vein that they had her pre-WrestleMania. But I, like, she is not a character to me. It's somewhat similar to when Steve Austin suddenly had an on-screen, you know, her, his his legitimate wife was now at Steve Austin's side. And I just don't think that Steve Austin was the character that needed a love interest. And I think that Becky falls in the same line as that, that she was not a character that needed to be paired with a love interest on television, even if real and they had an idea to for this one pay-per-view i think it did kind of affect her reactions i think all like any of your anti-heroes that we've seen in the past you know whether it be austin or like even recently with like john moxley or or dean ambrose when he was like you know they were teasing some stuff with renee um but they never really went there and i'm glad they really didn't because i just it's not necessarily what we want out of our anti-heroes and that extends to our female anti-heroes like a becky lynch uh, so that entire conference call, you can hear up if you are a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe. The full thing is up there. Uh, just a- any of your overall thoughts that we didn't go over earlier, way of just kind of being on one of these these calls and and how Becky did. Um, like I said, you know, I thought she handled all the questions really well. She she was incredibly patient. I felt with a lot of the maybe more. I don't know. Uh, the wide variety of questions, I'll, I'll be diplomatic in saying. She did have an interesting uh, comment about, uh, you know, somebody uh, brought up about how um, there are a lot of comparisons to her and Conor McGregor. And she pretty much flat out, like, refuted them, said, you know, just because we're both Irish and we both have a lot of confidence, people make that lazy comparison. Um, she says she's not Conor. She's not Stone Cold. And 
basically, you know, that she's she's her own person is how she kind of put it. That was pretty interesting. She also um, yeah, gave some good responses about like, you know, um, crediting several people for getting to her, her for her getting to where she is. Um, and of course, uh, uh, you know, we we know um, uh, what it's like to uh, for her to 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 um, be in the ring with her boyfriend and whether or not she got really mad when Lacey Evans was flirting with her with her boyfriend. <laughs> well, stop the presses. OK, well, uh, that is all of your news for tonight. You can go read all about this at postwrestling.com. Monday night, Raw took place from North Little Rock, Arkansas, at the Verizon Arena. Not just Little Rock, North Little Rock. Well, you got to separate the two, of course. Maybe there was like... You do. There must have been like some type of uh, Little Rock, Arkansas war that separated the North and the South, perhaps. It started off... What a bizarre video to start this show off with. We had this montage of all the legendary champions in company history... Bruno Sammartino kicking off Raw. Hulk Hogan was showing Austin, Undertaker, Cena, Rock, all of them with the WWE Championship. And then they cut to the announcement that was made in May of the introduction of the 24-7 title with a record scratch sound effects and into highlights with this silly music underneath and the title that is not measured in weeks and months, but in hours and seconds. And it is redefining greatness. I liked it a lot. I thought it was great. It was a nice different start to the show. Um, co- the the record scratch sound effect is one that I know you quite enjoy, John. Works, you know, a little corny, but it totally works. And this is a corny championship and a corny title. And I thought they presented it in a, in a really nice way. I'm surprised uh, a lot of the audience knows what a record scratch is. Or even what a record is. Are you kidding me? Like, they with Bray Wyatt, they have, like, a film dissolve, like, a film burning up. Like how, you know, um, they've got, uh, maybe there's a high vinyl collecting audience out there that really appreciates such subtle sound effects. Yeah. I imagine maybe like kids that are growing up, maybe they just think it's like some type of zipper. <laughs> the zipper, zipper sound effect. Like an unzipping sound effect. Yeah. But when you say unzip, they're probably thinking of a large file transfer. Well, what would the modern day equivalent be to record scratch? Like. Um, an iPod or, uh, they don't make like noise a, though. They just like stop. There, there could be a, yeah, I was going to think of like, you know, when you'd get like a digital click on a CD, but people don't even listen to CDs anymore. Nope. So, um, actually I listened to, do, do you ever listen to, uh, Alan Cross's podcast? Because he's got the ongoing history as a podcast series now. So you can go and listen to like the last five years of episodes. Oh, wow. One of yeah, it's he goes back. It's five years worth. It's not all. I don't, I don't know how he's managed to find topics to to fill like twenty years of of shows. It's I amazing. I've like downloaded a bunch of them and I listened to one on the history of the CD and it was just wow. fast. It's fascinating. Oh, that's awesome! Like, I that's I could great. listen to Alan Cross talk about anything. He he's one of my honestly like one of my uh, idols. Getting to radio, it was like Alan Cross and the Law. Like those are the things I listened to. <laughs> I got to interview Alan Cross for a university Me too. project. Me too. Oh, yeah, we both He's did. so incredibly kind with his time. Yeah. I got to work with Alan Cross, actually, on uh, at uh, at Byte for a time, shooting his... Anyway. Oh, that's right. He was doing his uh, his show there. Super yeah. tangent, everybody. Sorry. <laughs> for those that, that look up Alan Cross, you'll just go down a rabbit hole. 
Michael, no relation to Nikki. No, no, none. Uh, Michael Cole welcomes us to a historic Raw, beginning with a 24-7 title match that is a mosh pit match. A mosh pit. A mosh pit match. Is this the first? Yes, it is Lumberjacks attending a concert. That that we know of, at least. I'm sure there have been mosh pit matches. This was not a mosh pit. This was nothing. Like, why Why even bring that? Why uh, tarnish the legacy of the mosh pit by by calling this match a mosh pit match. I have I have no evidence of this, but it's this feels like one of those Paul Heyman things to take something traditional and just give it a new name. Like well, he, he is not okay. a manager. He's an advocate. And this is just just simply calling this something different than a lumberjack match or feeling a lumberjack is a outdated term. I guess so. I guess the mosh pit is the uh, modern day equivalent of a uh... Of the lumberjack. I Even a mosh pit kind of feels like something that yeah. is not as uh, popular as it once was. So the modern day, I think a modern day equivalent would be like a world star match. Okay. Oh, world star. I can go world with star. that. Yes. Yeah. That, w- that would have been better. You, you should be on this writing team way. Of course I should. R-Truth and Carmella taking on Drake Maverick and Renee Michelle. Now did they expo- – so this is a tag match for the 24-7 title. Is that right? Correct. A mixed tag match where I think, wait, did they say who, who would win the title? No. Whether it be Renee I, or... I didn't recall that. And I didn't know what would happen. Like, what would happen if Drake Maverick pinned Carmella? Would he win the championship? Great question. Maybe. Maybe. It we'll, we'll never was know. nothing that deserved any kind of deeper analysis uh, than what this was. Uh, the geeks around... We, we also don't know how Renee Michelle escaped last week. They had no explanation for what happened with Truth leaving in the limo with Renee. They were just back. They've just kind of resorted to like like closing those those threads. I mean, they could have done something online that I I might have missed. Um but it's like they they don't even really answer it cuz like, you know, they've they've done like cliff like remember when our truth was stuck in that box and then he just showed up on raw? I feel that one was one that I complained about and someone did send me Something they did. Okay, at a house like, show, at a house show, they there was like something where they he mentioned it, but like it did not make the rounds. At least you know it was. I feel even if you do something on YouTube to explain it, it needs some kind of quick recap on television I or agree. a mention. Yeah. Like it's, um, I'm not spending my days on WWE.com. Which uh, side tangent? Did you watch Smackville on the weekend? No, I did not either. Okay, um, Finn Balor missed that show, but. They're hopefully they're hopeful he'll be ready for Tuesday. I'm I'm really curious to know again, like maybe the numbers for a show like that versus say an evolve, you know, and what the demands are for more main roster, I would say, kind of house show content versus um indie content. I can't imagine it's all that high. I mean, I just I had no inclination to check this out over the weekend. And mm-hmm. and I really I heard no feedback to it either. Like I saw people on Twitter it, um, it's mentioning true. it, but there nothing that you know was noticeable. I don't see it being something that would be maybe attractive to a listen, an audience that listens to our shows. But maybe maybe your more general audience, or I don't want to say general, but your um, you know, main roster audience that might might go to house shows might have more interest. But I'm not sure. So we get this uh, tag match. Uh, Carmella is doing the rap with our truth during their intro, and then uh, the. The mosh pitters included the Lucha House Party, EC3, Heath Slater, Bobby Roode, No Way Jose, Mojo Raleigh, Eric Young, Titus O'Neil, Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, and Mike Kanellis. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. All people who um managed to get on TV, so guess it was a day good day at the office. I guess so. We had to include uh a mosh pit spot, so Drake got sent to the floor and he crowd surfed back into the ring. Right. I'm just gonna skip here. Uh Michelle and Carmella had a brief spot. And then Carmella slapped Drake, who then got hit with a face buster by R-Truth, who then just, like, dropped to his knees before pinning Drake Maverick. It just seemed like one step too many and just was a little awkward. And then pinned Maverick at a minute 54. And then all of the mosh pitters run in, jump onto R-Truth, and they pin him simultaneously. And Mike Kanellis gets out of the, the pile with the title and runs to the back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, first, let me just say, I, I'm really happy for Drake Maverick. I continue to be ecstatic that, you know, the man went from being a manager of a tag team that really was not being utilized at all to now being, uh, I would say, a pretty prominently featured character on WWE Raw. Not no only, longer attached to a tag team that is not being used. Yeah, he's he's got way more airtime than, than any of the authors of Pain. Um, not only that, but getting his wife a job. And making her a recurring character as well. I'm sure, I feel like Renee Michelle at this point has had more airtime than the authors of Pain this year on Raw. So, great job. I'm happy for, for, for both of them. And um, she kept her name. They didn't rename Renee. Very true. Yeah. Um, it does make things a little confusing, I have to say. I mean, <laughs> when... It, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree that it's... That, that's one of the, the Vince McMahon things about not having two people name the same thing that I, I never thought was, like, a, a crazy thing. I would just say maybe it's because, like, Renee itself is a very distinctive name. So when I just say Renee, oh, there's only one Renee. It's, it's well, Renee I would Young. say this. I, I think it's, you know, when, when Shane Helms came, they had to have Gregory Helms because yeah. of Shane McMahon. I see that as less of a problem yes. than when you're calling a match and your broadcast partner is being referred to as Renee while the match is being called. And I think that is that is where it gets just uh, you don't know who necessarily are you referring to a question being asked to the broadcast partner or are you describing the person in the ring? It's a very minor, minor quibble. And I think that's really the least of our concerns when we're talking about a segment like this. But it was, an, it was a nothing match. Carmella and Renee the other Renee, they barely touched. Like it was hardly an intergender match and really just a backdrop to set up this title change. So Mike runs backstage and they chase after him. He locks himself in a room and then pregnant Maria appears and she is holding her. She's holding her side as though she's in pain. Okay. Is her, do you think she, her, she's really showing that much? Maria? Yeah. Like okay, uh, she's showing right now, but like, could it could it have been that quick? It doesn't feel like it's a little quick for for the bump to be that big. Well, she's been pregnant for she she mentioned she just reached twelve weeks, so she's in oh. the so she's surpassed the uh, the first trimester. Okay, and is that from your experience, John? Because I don't have any, but is that is that did it look like somebody who was twelve months pregnant? Listen, watching on TV it is if you. If you knew she was pregnant, I think you can look and you can uh, you can make that conclusion. But it would not be the case that you would uh, absolutely assume that. Right. 12 weeks, I meant to say, by the way. Yes. 
So Maria is stating she's in pain. She needs her husband, and they clear the way, and she starts lambasting Michael Canellis and demanding that he open the door. But Michael Canellis is pretty sharp because he thinks it's Carmela pretending to be Maria. And Maria threatens to kick Mike in his vagina if he does not open the door. And this is when uh, Vince McMahon came on screen and announced that the sophisticated product would be starting after the commercial break. We've evolved, everybody. We've evolved past that. That crap. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if uh, TNT would stand for it, to be quite honest, and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, I mean, listen, for anybody who's been clamoring for the glory days of the Attitude Era, I guess here we are, everybody. It's risque. Vagina was mentioned on TV. Shit gets so shocking. Raw is great again, everybody. We could say vagina now. Anyway, so. um, I I know I'm going to sound all fucking PC here and stuff, but I've, like, always hated this kind of insult. It's the same as, you know, no different than. Well, the whole story is. The the insult is like. The insult is you're a woman. You know what I mean? I just I I hate that kind of thing, especially for <laughs> this company. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, um, this was so lame, dude. It's like it, it's like it's the, the absolute story, lowest the whole... form to try and sound edgy, and I think it comes off so lame when you're so clearly just reaching and trying. Well, the whole story is just about how he, um, the wife feels that the husband is not a man. And, and you know, therefore you, you get great lines like this. Wonderful. Uh, so that was not the end of Maria. She would be all over this show. So she was let in to the magic room. And they cut back to the announcers, and Renee recommends that that not happen. Thus, Canellis kicking Mike in yep. the vagina. Gauntlet match follows that way. Rey Mysterio, Cesaro, Sami Zayn, Andrade, and Ricochet were announced for the gauntlet, and the winner would take on AJ Styles for the United States title at SummerSlam. Talk uh, about a palate cleanser from the last segment, from the way this show started, you know, going from the 24-7 match to, like, whatever Maria Canellis was doing this week. Now you're showing me Rey Mysterio versus Cesaro. Now you have my attention. Yes, and... I think what was most notable about this was they wrestled through the commercial break and mm-hmm. they were not the only match to do so. And um, yeah, I'm sure we'll find out for sure. But this felt like at minimum a relaxing of this of this rule, if not the outright elimination of it. Pacing of the show was so much better. The best it's been in in weeks, uh, without a doubt. Um We've had multiple ma- we had multiple matches on the show go through a commercial break, and wouldn't you know it, the crowd was incredibly hot coming back from break almost every time. Um, and even like some of the other segments, I felt like they were of varying lengths. You know, some of these were just backstage angles that were that felt like very brief um, segments, only to go back to commercial so that perhaps they could have extended the actual in ring uh, segments themselves. So I'm not exactly sure what was uh changed um but certainly there was a uh, there they continued to experiment with all that i thought the key was the fact that they didn't overdo it it wasn't like this was going back to you know raw's uh, uh pre the, mm-hmm. the commercial rule where 
you would get tons of matches that would just go through the commercial breaks. They were judicious, and it was the gauntlet match, and they only did it for the Mysterio Cesaro match. It's not like they did it for all the gauntlet matches. Mm -hmm. And then they did another one for the 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 lengthy tag tag match. And the tag match greatly benefited from not being crammed into one segment. They couldn't have done that match in one segment. I think they must have learned from the uh, women's four-way that was so poorly received several weeks ago that you only extend these in-ring matches when they're guaranteed to be hot matches when you have guys that are going to like you know work fast and just like deliver excitement bell to bell throughout the course of 12 minutes um and and certainly they picked two matches that you really would have expected that from so mysterio and cesaro um it starts off with aj styles watching the television set backstage just chilling uh Ray, Ray and uh, Cesaro, they they had about as good a match, I think, as as you were going to get. And I was expecting this to be a rush job, so I was yeah. pleasantly surprised by this because I was thinking, man, this match in any other company, people would be salivating over, and I feel like I'm going to get three minutes of these two, and it's going to be nothing. You so, got like three three times that, didn't you? Oh yeah, this one I I didn't have the exact time because we did have a commercial in there, but they probably went around ten minutes or so. Um, there was the sliding splash from Ray that had this kind of awkward landing because uh, it looked like Cesaro was a little further out, but he did they, make it. They also did the electric chair like over the top rope spot that we've oh, seen. Oh yeah, Ray yeah, yeah. Like since his uh, in his new run, um, and Cesaro, I thought pulled it off like he and Cesaro pulled it off like as beautifully as I've seen him do it with anybody. He goes over. He's on Cesaro's shoulders. They fly over the top, and Ray stays on the shoulders. It was very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw a springboard Rana into the ring. 619 gets avoided by Cesaro, and then a sliding head scissors sends Cesaro to the floor. This is where they go through the commercial break, come back. Ray has been powerbombed into the post and hit with an uppercut during the commercial. He lost uh, his mohawk somehow in the commercial break. This We had a, a, a hair stipulation end in the commercial break. Ray lost his hair during the commercial break. Wow, so he's a wrestler. He could, he could have headlined the CMLL show in September. He's, he can put up his hair and his mask. Wow. Man, it was a, a very... Um, he lost his mask at the end of this, too. The he guy, lost, like, everything lost everything in this match. Well, he lost. A, he <laughs> only had his pants by the That's end. That's it. Well, SummerSlam. A pants yeah. match. Yes. Uh, there's a senton off the top. Uh, reverse cross body is, comes off the middle into a Cesaro uppercut. Stops the neutralizer, and then Cesaro lifts him up for a razor's edge, but it's countered. Cesaro gets sent into the corner. He blocks Ray's Hurricane Rana from the top, and then Ray turns a wheelbarrow into a bulldog off the turnbuckle, lands the 619, splash from the top, and pins Cesaro. So, um, yeah, I I thought this was a really fun match between these two and exceeded what I expected for Ray and Cesaro on a WWE television show. I thought this was so great. You know, even if technically it was just part of a match, just even this part of a match was better than like, I can't, I can't tell you the last time I felt so happy watching a match on Raw because it's been filled with so much bullshit. Like even something like Ricochet versus AJ was just filled with constant restarts because of, of whatever commercial requirement that they had to fulfill here. um, Even though there was a commercial interrupting it in my mind, these two had wrestled, uh, the the best match um, off screen that I couldn't see, and this audience came back with like a big reaction. So, in my mind, this was like a ten minute solid match that, you know, that was excellent. I thought. 
Sami Zayn runs out, and while Ray is recovering, Zayn attacks him, and he's pulled back by the referee, and he sets up for the Haluva kick, and he misses it. Ray goes for a schoolboy and didn't grab him, so they had to improvise with an inside cradle, and he pinned Sami Zayn in less than 30 seconds, and Sami Zayn was out. Poor Sammy. This Kevin Owens push has had one casualty, and it's Sami Zayn. Yeah, remember, like, the electric chair? Remember that whole thing? <laughs> he, several weeks ago, he, tw- he like, Instagrammed a photo of the electric chair, and I had completely forgotten about it. The, the, one in, the, the electric chair that was sentenced to death uh, via the segment. It, that is certainly in the running, I would say, for uh, maybe one of the worst gimmicks of the year. But, you know, this was... <laughs> It was Zane, who's already pretty much at the bottom uh, rung of like kind of your mid carders who are regularly on TV. So he can take the loss here. This was essentially kind of like a Yano spot, right? In a condensed version of the G1 in this gauntlet match where Ray basically gets to add to his tally and it can give him a, a bit of a break and extra momentum heading into the Almas match. We took a break. They plugged SmackDown and heavily promoting. The King's Court with Jerry Lawler and Trish Stratus. It's in Memphis. And Randy Orton addressing his match with Kofi Kingston for SummerSlam. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, Jerry Lawler was all over, like, Memphis media today. And then they're doing SmackDown tomorrow night. So the, just a very, um, yeah, obviously a trying week. And he's going to be on TV Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. And I guess you'll shoot their angle with with Trish for SummerSlam on that show. Rey Mysterio versus Andrade was the next match, and they brought up their feud that just disappeared several months ago. Uh, Andrade had the advantage at the beginning. He was attacking Rey on the floor. Uh, Rey went for a cabrada, but got caught and hit with the three amigos. Andrade landed on his feet and hit a standing moonsault. Rey then hit an insiguri. The 619 gets caught into a spinning backbreaker and the hammerlock DDT, and Andrade pins Rey and then continues stomping him. And this was awkward because as Andrade went for the cover, right as he's about to hit three, Michael Cole yells, no. And he tries to explain that he thought Ray was hurt. And it just came off as a kind of clumsy call for the finish. And then afterwards with Andrade beating down Ray, he tears off Ray's mask. And like, this was a serious tearing of the mask. Um, And then Ricochet ran down to stop um, I guess Ray being pantsed as well because he's <laughs> lost everything else. But I, I'll say this: like I'm all for Ray and Andrade if you're just going to throw them out onto SummerSlam. But God, that feels like just a very last minute serious stipulation to throw in there. But I guess they're just going to pick this up and and do something with these two after kind of ignoring this feud for the last few months with Ray's injury and moving on to Samoa Joe. Yeah, yeah, I think certainly, you know, the mass ripping suggests that they might, you know, build to something beyond what we just saw here. But I'm not 100% sure that that's what they're building towards. It might have just been a spot in a match. Um, but neither man have a program thus far. If if anything, maybe a kickoff match might be in store or a TV match next week, I suppose. But um, I, I thought the finish as well was pretty anti- anticlimactic. I don't know if it was um, maybe designed to elicit a bigger reaction or not, but I was expecting a bit more of a comeback from Ray before Andrade just hit the DDT. Um, I suppose maybe they just felt like to give the straightforward win for Andrade, but I thought the mask gripping was actually awesome. Like, built some good heat for him before uh, Ricochet came down. 
And then the final match was Ricochet and Andrade. And you could notice Ricochet had his left elbow bandaged up from the infection that kept him off of Raw last week. And we go back. AJ's been standing in front of this TV the entire time. Standing. Oh, that's what's so unusual. You, you what, standing? He he's probably sits all day driving town to town. Well, he's, uh, I guess, uh, stretching out his spine, working out his posture. Uh, Andrade goes to the floor. Vega distracts uh, Ricochet and then grabs Ricochet's leg, allowing Andrade to knock him off the floor. This drew a lot of booze. Andrade stopped the comeback, hit the double knees into the corner. Hammerlock DDT gets countered with an inside cradle. And then Andrade landed the discus elbow. There's a reverse Rana from Ricochet for a two count. And then knocks Andrade from the turnbuckle, hits him with the 630, and wins in six minutes, 15 seconds. Ricochet going to SummerSlam to take on AJ Styles. I thought some really great action in this whole gauntlet match and a great way really to kind of set up a match that I think everybody was expecting anyway. But in the process, you know, they they filled a lot of TV time with some quality wrestling. I think it's it's been proven that WWE certainly knows how to book the TV gauntlet match. Obviously, there's, you know, the the, the famous Rollins match, um, you know, even Kofi, like in the both in the form of the elimination and an actual gauntlet match on SmackDown. Um, they they know how to fill their TV time with interesting gauntlet matches that manage to get a number of people over. In this case, I thought they set up a, you know, potentially something with Ray, Ray and Andrade. Certainly, I thought Ray and Cesaro looked amazing. I want to see that match again if they want to ex- extend that feud. Um, I I think Ricochet comes out of this with a, a bit more momentum. You know, uh, Andrade got some good heat coming out of this as well. So to me, this was like almost a reminder that you have some of the world's best talent in this locker room. And it was really nice to see them finally all get utilized effectively here without stupid resets. Too many stupid resets, I suppose. Kayla then got into the ring to interview Ricochet and talks about... uh, Ricochet talks about beating Joe for the title and said, people can only believe what they see. And when he beats AJ Styles and holds the title, everyone will believe... And so will I. Believe what? Like, didn't he already win the title? He already had yes. the title, and didn't he actually already beat AJ? Yes. So then he lost it. Then he lost to AJ. So. so nobody believes that he could beat AJ twice and win the belt again. Is that it? I guess that's the that's what we have to be doubting, and we need to see to believe. Well, I don't I like it to think when the, when this promo was over that. Imagining this guy last week in the ring with the click and DX and he being given the microphone to yell at the top of his lungs. If you ain't down with that, we've got two words for (laughs) you. We believe. (laughs) Yeah, no, he doesn't necessarily have that attitude, does he? Um, Did you ever watch that Chronicle with him a few weeks ago? I have not, no. I didn't see it either, but I will guarantee you He's a way more interesting individual in that setting than he comes across on Raw. Sure, yeah. I mean, you know, it's no secret. It's probably the weakest part of his game. I don't think he's that bad, though, that, like, you can't work with it. I think he sounds decent. If anything, I consider him quite average. Not attention-grabbing, but I don't think he's bad. But in-ring is where he kind of makes up for those shortcomings because he's outstanding in-ring. As long as I can focus on that, I think he could get by with what he has right now. Mike is in this room with Maria. God knows what they were discussing for the last entirety of the gauntlet match, but 
now we cut to them in the heat of their conversation. She says, uh, Mike says that Maria can finally be proud of him and look at him with dignity and respect. And Maria tells him to get onto his back like you usually do. And I guess they were like playing up. She's like pregnant slash has like a dominatrix role. And she is going to pin him so that her unborn child has a champion as a parent. So Mike lays down on his back. She stands on him and is gives up the championship to Maria. And she becomes the first ever pregnant champion. That's right. Um, she used a move here that I like the term the cuck hold. Way. Oh, you should have been writing this. Uh, she walks. What? Go on. Go on. No, no. I was getting into my anal- analysis after that uh, brilliant zinger. See, I, I thought I thought you were going to say that uh, this finish was very heelish. Heelish. She pinned her using her. Oh, that's good too. That's good too. Yeah. That's the difference between you and me. Way. She walks. She walks out, yeah. and I, I can't say like this is a. Like, this is a joke. Like, it title. Is, it is. It's a joke title. I, I don't. Oh, I don't care about the seriousness. I'm talking about it just as as a heel act for Maria. Like okay. it is kind of clever that yeah. the you've put the title on someone where I think the audience legitimately has no idea how this woman can lose the title. I will say this: like a tiny thing. I wish they didn't do those silly phantom finishes last week because. That kind of just gives you an out. Oh, are you kidding mind. me, John? Are you are you suggesting that the booking last week might have uh, 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 tarnished the credibility of of, of these? That's not. That, you're not even. Total? You're not even listening to me. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is the the heat here is the actual. This woman has to lose this title somehow, and they're not going to do anything physical with her. So I wouldn't have introduced phantom finishes last week when that's kind of the cliffhanger here is. How will Maria possibly lose this title? And they've given you several options last week that I just would have avoided. And that's that's the whole heat of this thing is how can they take this title off of Maria? When you say phantom finishes, you mean like something like her stepping into a limousine and then coming out without the belt? Yes. Yeah. Um. I something tells with me Patterson and Briscoe. Something tells me with 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 something with a storyline like this, I would expect that they would have a better explanation than simply Maria walks into the room. Uh, you hear a bunch of noises and she comes out without the belt. I feel like because they're setting this up to be an actual bit of a, you know, conundrum. They, I, I think it's on them to like come up with something a bit more clever than, than just that. Whereas I don't feel the same level of importance put on to, you know, somebody like DB Aussie. Well, we'll, we'll see what they do with this. Um, yeah. Cause like, they're not going to do anything physical here obviously yeah um so the belt goes from a guy who can't have sex with his wife to another to woman guy who regrets having sex yeah to another guy who can't have sex with his wife and then to a wife who won't have sex with her husband right pretty exactly. much sums up raw for the past several weeks <laughs> yes uh she comes out hoisting up the title all the guys are out there she goes up to titus who was the first champion that the, the trivia answer no one would know and says, what are you willing to do to become a two-time champion? And she knows that no one will go near her, which isn't a bad gimmick and yells 
that she has an OBGYN appointment on Thursday. And if any of them want to try to come and beat her at her OBGYN appointment. So who's under that OBGYN doctor's mask? Oh, God. Maybe it's Dr. Heine. I think that would be a different type of doctor, don't you think? <laughs> well, it's it's been it's been uh, 14 years. They may have um, been reassigned. Right. Went back to medical school and got his yeah, other degree. They, they showed their face on Raw in 2005, and it was uh, they could never possibly be uh, used again by that hospital. So they've had to completely have a, a career change. And yeah. now the WWE's returned. You know, like operating on, on, I think this level of like you know childish humor. I I actually like this. I like that they're cl- combining the two most ridiculous storylines that are going on on Raw right now between uh, Canellis and also the twenty four seven championship into one storyline. I'm actually kind of curious to see how they get the belt off of her. Yeah, I think it's something that will run its course. But in terms of like Maria is very good in this role, even if you're not a big fan of like what the actual angle is. I think that she is clearly, this has been, this has been her, her shining role so far in this company and is a spotlight on her. It's been the only role like on, on TV at least. A moment of bliss was next uh, with Alexa bliss and Nikki cross and Alexa congratulates Maria for breaking down yet another barrier for women. (laughs) She's just doing miracles for the gender. Nikki had goosebumps watching the Raw reunion last week and Steve Austin's speech, and Alexa pointed out Austin calling everyone family, but Ziggler betrayed his family when he super-kicked Shawn Michaels last week on SmackDown. And Alexa was appalled and said it ruined the feeling of the Raw reunion, and another performer that broke her moral compass is Becky Lynch. It seemed like a very odd segue, like they had to... They had to, like, sandwich in this Dolph Ziggler story to remind everybody of it. It really just well, didn't feel like it fit here. I think they're trying to portray Dolph's attack on Sean as this like company, like world shaking event. Oh my I god! So, yeah. How could he uh, touch Sean Michaels? You know, the same Sean Michaels that got involved in a physical altercation on that episode of Raw, by the way. Uh, but like they're treated like off of this attack on Sean, he's got a match with Rollins. They they booked him in a match with a uh, who was it? Uh, was it Miz for or a Kofi for for tomorrow? He's got a match on SmackDown. Dolph, Dolph has a match with Finn, providing he's uh, he's cleared okay. to wrestle. And they're like positioning that as like, oh, uh, Rollins is out to get uh, to avenge Sean, and now Finn Balor's out to avenge Sean as well. Like <laughs> suddenly, it's like touching Shawn Michaels, even though it was like a super who, kick way. Who attacked who first? It was uh, well. Uh, Ziggler attacked Miz, and then I think Michaels went to tend to him, and that's when he turned around and got hit with the super kick. Okay, all right. I believe. Well, uh, the, the most evil thing I've ever seen a, a wrestler do. Um, but yeah, it's just like it's it's a major event. Catas- it's a catastrophe. Shawn Michaels was super kicked. I mean, Ziggler could have thrown him through a barbershop window. That would have been great. Can you imagine that angle happening today? Like yeah, I think it would be met with like it would have a hashtag. It would be, uh, oh, I, I, I it would not register at all today. I don't no, think. it'd be it would people would be numb to it. Yeah. It's like no one brings up when uh when Jericho did very similar with Sean and threw him through the uh the Jeratron. Like it was a complete recreation of the barbershop angle, but I don't think anyone would remember that. 
if it was not offhand if it was today and if they wanted to get like that same level of traction uh i think sean would have had to tweet at marty some type of comment about like him not being able to draw um you know or like making some comment about how many five star matches have you had marty <laughs> yeah that, that... <laughs> that would be the I'm barbershop just, window I'm just imagining this <laughs> oh, seriously, and we'll, we'll get into the big angle later tonight, but it's like, imagine that in a different era. It would be something that you would remember forever, and this will be something that, you know, it's just, it's just a different, it's just a different world where angles don't register because there's so many of them that Brock and Rollins, I would be, I would imagine in four weeks, you would have to remind people what happened tonight. Yeah, maybe. So... Alexa throws to footage of Natalia from earlier in the day working out in the ring with a pair of women as well as Fit Finley. And they are drilling uh, defenses for the disarmor. So Becky enters the ring, knees Finley, and calls him a traitor. Calls him a traitor. And then puts Natalia into the disarmor. And they came back, and the crowd is chanting Becky. So they were with her here. And you know, a lot of people were complaining that Becky really came across like a. A real asshole here, but I mean, yeah. hey, but this that's guy's like, supposed that, to be impartial. How did she turn into the man in the first place by like doing this type of shit? She turned on Charlotte just like a heel would, and the fans loved her for it. So to me, they're just getting back to the basics of what made you know the man the man in the first place. This who who yeah. did uh, who allowed her to get into the Royal Rumble when she came out? Fit Finley, wasn't it? It was Fit. She okay. said, "Let me in." So it made sense here by calling him a traitor. Clearly, they I really didn't mind this. That I like. Imagine, imagine way that you and I were going to fight. Okay. Yeah. And okay. Oh, Greg, Greg Jackson. Okay, training John Jones, and then like maybe having to train like you know some uh, another Rashad like, Evans. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Rashad got pissed. Well, I was going to use the the analogy that you and I were training for. We were going to face each other, and I know Way's got a deadly triangle, and. Elliot at Open Mat is seen working with me to to fend off your triangle. I would. He's got a, he's got a secret to it. Obviously. You know what? You'd probably come over and you'd kick Elliot and call him a traitor, and then you'd put the triangle on me and you'd fucking mount me. You damn right I would. So, I mean, if you just see this happening, I think you can sympathize with Becky here. I I this was I thought this was perfectly logical. You know, I I, I could see people be maybe criticizing how heelish Becky came uh, came across, especially you know now that she's like trying to claim herself to be Canada's new hero. That's like you know she's even hashtagging that. Um, I I think I, they're going for that. That they they understand Natalia is going to be the crowd favorite in this match. So give Becky an edge going into this that gives the audience a reason to. Boo Becky, cheer Natalia. I think they're running towards that. I think that they yeah. know they you know exactly what you're doing when you're putting Natalia in this match in Toronto. So Perhaps. do do the story justice. Perhaps, but now outside of Canada, how how does Becky come across? I don't think it matters. To me to be honest, I think if it's I, I like the idea that, you know, they're going to Canada. Of course Becky's not going to be cheered. So I think she will be for, for one night. You think so? Oh yeah. I think it's going to be mixed. I think it's going to be a pretty good... I think the crowd is going to be Mm -hmm. uh, split, um, maybe more towards Natalia. But I think it's going to enhance the match because the fans are not going to be sitting on their hands for that match. Yeah, I think it'll be a really hot match, especially with the stipulation that they announced. Oh, well, it was revoked, though. Remember? Oh, never mind. Yes. Um, (laughs) Okay. 
Alexa condemns uh, Becky, which I think was a key part in the audience being behind Becky here is that you have Alexa running her down for it. Nikki thinks that Becky wants to take Natalia out before SummerSlam and Alexa is going to take Becky down tonight. So Becky appears on the screen, tells Alexa not to injure yourself turning around too quickly and says that she can say what she wants for free right now, but you're going to pay for it later and asks if Nikki came from Scotland to be a coffee maker and there's nowhere to run when you've done me wrong. All right. Yeah. Sounded good. This was immediately transitioned into the Usos coming out and cutting their promo as they go down the ramp. And I swear I am not making this up as Jimmy Uso is on screen. Up pops up a graphic promoting the Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, it was it got way more absurd. It got later way on. more. I I watched this and I was like, I can see how that slipped through the cracks. But then the next thing that happened several segments later, I I don't understand. And man, the way <laughs> it's they're, too they're perfect, really, dude. It's too perfect. I mean, even okay, even if 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 the guy did not get into the trouble he did last week, the fact that John Cena brought it back up on the show itself, the fact that these two have had DUIs and then the next show you have these two same DUI dudes promoting a movie about cars is hilarious. I don't find it funny. I think it's like a really... I think it's absurd, really. It's absurd. I I thought also the fact that at the end of this show, Jimmy Uso is one of the featured stars. Like, I don't know what kind of message you take from this that it's clearly... It's it's not only something that they're going to completely sweep under the rug and ignore, uh, but... Seriously, like, there's... It's the opposite uh, of a punishment. It's... we're, We're pushing this guy even more. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure if you asked them, they would tell you that these were just plans that they had lined up uh, several months or several weeks ahead. And they're just, you know, to change them at this point might be a little bit difficult. Um, Yeah, but maybe let's let's not let drinking and driving get in the way of plans. We we got plans. We got TV to write here. Can't let a DUI screw anything uh, up. So we did get our. Three-way tag match with the Revival defending the Raw tag titles against the Usos and Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. Uh, the Revival also sporting new t-shirts that are yellow. Oh, nice. okay. Yep. Yeah. Yellow shirts, yeah. Wait, wait. I feel like I've seen these ones. It's, uh, I hadn't noticed see. them before, but maybe maybe they're I think they're new. ones with like really f- like a really funny caption on them. It says... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the shirt say? that says... Top guys doing top guy things as they are pictured on the front um, wearing a jacket in their Speedo trunks. Well, we learned in the segment earlier, Mike Canellis is a bottom guy. Yeah, yeah, yes, we, we did learn that. The revival's in control. Uh, Michael Cole got so excited because a sleeper hold was applied by Scott Dawson and said that this could lead to new champions before realizing the revival were the tag team champions. I don't blame him. Like, <laughs> did you did you know? Uh, I did know because I mean they did do the introductions with the titles mm-hmm. and such. I uh, would give him barely. the pass if he had screwed up Raw and SmackDown because I would not be able to decipher most of these people uh, which brand they're on. Yeah, it's getting more complex by the day. 
no Gallows and Anderson for, throughout the first five minutes. And then Jay gets thrown to the floor, and we get a commercial break. So they go through that. Anderson is in the ring after they come back, in control of Jay. And we cut to the back. Dude, AJ Styles is still standing in the exact same spot. He's been there the whole show. He, he found a comfortable spot and decided to park himself there for the duration of the three hours, evidently. AJ had a hell of a night. He got to the arena today. He got his rundown and was like, uh, cut away to the back, cut away to the back, third cut away to the back, uh, arranging sushi, yelling on top of a desk, go home. He did a great job with the sushi, though. He did get a brief promo, although Kayla pretty much did the whole thing for him. He just got to celebrate with Gallows and Anderson. But what a night for AJ Styles. Great work if you can get it. Long heat spot until Jimmy gets the tag. He attacks Wilder and Dawson. Uh, They roll through on a crossbody, but then Wilder gets sent into Anderson on the apron. Dawson yanks down the hair. Uh, The Revival hit the Steinerizer, and then Anderson broke up the pinfall. Dawson's in with Anderson and delivers a vertical suplex as both fly over the top to the floor. This is when things really picked up. Wilder hit a tornado DDT to Gallows off the barricade to the floor. Jimmy dove to the floor. Jay then got stopped on the top turnbuckle, and it featured uh, Jay with a superplex to Dawson onto all four men on the floor. Everyone's down. Back into the ring. Shatter machine onto Jay. A spine buster to Jay. And then the Magic Killers hit to Jimmy as Gallows pins Jimmy and Gallows and Anderson win the Raw tag titles. Um, a very strong match in particular, I would say, the final three to four minutes. Yeah, this was, you know, maybe it might still be the lack of two to three minute matches that's still making me quite easily impressed on this particular episode of Raw. But I really enjoyed this as well. You know, really fast, high energy the whole way through. Great coordination between the three teams for all those spots. <laughs> And in the end here, they managed to successfully transfer the belts from one heel team to another without two heel teams pinning one another. And to me, it shows that they're serious about the OC. And something like this would kind of like increase my my uh, expectations, uh, I think, of the Raw Tag Team division. I have a bit more faith after seeing something like this and seeing that they're willing to let uh, teams like the Usos with the Revival... Um, and you know, uh, just coming up is the Viking Raiders and maybe even potentially the street profits all kind of making their way towards the tag team division. Um, we could potentially be looking at a bit of a resurgence, but of course it remains to be seen the fact that, you know, the OC managed to win the belts without that much of a struggle for them maybe is, is a bit of a, a negative. Um, but at, at the very least, I think we know that the raw talent is, is certainly there. No pun intended. Yeah. I wonder if their new finisher is going to be rebranded the Magic Contract Killer. Ooh. The contract, the Magic Contract Killer. Yeah. The contract signing, maybe. You sign that contract, you you might find yourself with a belt, I guess. Yeah. Yes, the uh, the 5-year commitment. There's lots of things they can come up with. Yeah. Styles is backstage setting up food and champagne. Kayla goes to interview him and then Anderson and Gallo show up. Styles loses his goddamn mind. Uh, he just hit the jackpot. Uh, I, I just lost his mind, got onto the desk. Anderson and Gallows are chanting nature boy at him. Man, if he um, pulled out the nature boy impression on TV, I would have lost it. This oh, would have made his day a, totally worth it. Yeah. Mini nature boy, AJ Styles, circa 2010. And that was it. 
uh, Gallows and Anderson are your new tag champions. Yeah, so the OC, like, standing strong, all three with belts. Um, and uh, we'll see what, what they do with that. All champions, yes. They did a recap of the Raw reunion and Dolph Ziggler destroying the family via superkick. Viking Raiders defeated a team called Cole Carter and Johnny James. They mentioned the Viking Raiders were in Denmark this past weekend for Viking battle training. Well, that's great. Sounds fun. Uh, They won with the Viking experience in a minute 24 while the announcers tried to figure out who was who. (laughs) Yeah. They're not getting like huge reactions for these job uh, squash matches, but I don't really consider that to be a failure at all. To me, they're just kind of like waiting in the background before getting an actual program. I think the, uh, you know, it's probably many factors that have affected the authors of pain, but the Viking Raiders probably don't help that they are now in the role of the monster team squashing guys, which I don't think you necessarily have to be limited to one team with that role, but Mm -hmm. it just feels like whatever the authors were kind of positioned to be, the Viking Raiders are now. Well, we know like they kind of have a formula to book these giants, uh, whether it be Braun Strowman or like, uh, what is it, Rowan and Harper. Uh, the Bludgeon Brothers is what they're called. And authors are painting down these guys. They kind of have their tech. Who's this Luke Harper you speak of? Yeah, I think he wrestled on Access last we spoke. Um, but um, yeah, like this is kind of their method of like pushing these monster guys. Maybe it's a little overdone. I'm not sure. I would still really prefer to see these guys as baby faces because I think the division is in need of baby faces. So I, I swear know. to God, every every week we do a Viking Raiders recap. You mentioned the fact that they're heels and every single week I respond in my head with, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it never clicks with me that they they are a team. Literally, they could just be baby faces next week. No one would bat an eye. Yeah. It's like they they don't have any definable traits. And if anything, you watch these matches. Of course, they're going to be, they're just killing guys. That's really fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I would just like do the pivot without really any storyline expl- explanation. Just make it's, them baby it's, faces. It's not even, you don't even really have to do anything different with them. Yeah. Like they play to the crowd. It's like they, they're presented as baby faces, even though we've seen instances where, yeah, they are by default a heel team. The Street Profits are here. They react to all the stuff going on tonight. Ricochet winning, new champions. Dawkins asks why Maria won the 24-7 title and insinuates that he's into her. And then Montez Ford asks if he's the father. And he says not to joke about that. Uh, Dawkins isn't ready for his own fam. (laughs) Seth Rollins walks in. Man, I see him walk into this scene and I just think, oh, man, this this is not good. Dad. Dad is here. (laughs) That's what this felt like. He comes in and... Tries to hang out with Ford and Dawkins, who I believe he refers to as Dog. And then <sighs> Dawkins says the locker room is behind him. And Ford goes to do the burn it down catchphrase. But Rollins, like, so overly delivers, like, no, no, no. And then all three of them yell, burn it down. I never want to hear this catchphrase again in my life. And this is the last way I would want to position Seth Rollins. He came across so uncool here. Yeah. And almost and then later, I don't think it's a, a coincidence that we see him like this. And then when he's getting beaten down several segments later, there's a one more time chant at him. Uh he just came across like such a geek here with the street profits that come across very cool. 
Yeah, I don't know what the original intent was with behind a segment like this. Was it to give the rub to the Street Profits, or was it to give maybe more of a cool rub to uh, Seth Rollins? I, I I think this was to make Seth Rollins come across as like likable and one of the guys. No, nah, it did not work out that way. No. Like he came across like you know, hot topic in this. Um, I I just I I thought he ended up looking like super corny, but it was not. There, as there's bad. a way to use Seth Rollins, but it's like. This and like the the segments with Becky, like there's a clear way of how not to use this guy, and we're seeing it. He was great before, I would say, you know, for for majority of of I think the past year when he was just like cutting that babyface promo, doing a great yes. job. But ever since like they're starting to inject like the comedy in him, and certainly all the Becky stuff totally derailed him. Um, and I I don't necessarily feel like they've really kind of recovered, at least not with segments like this. Like to me. John Cena is Richard Pryor in comparison when it comes to pulling Cena's off comedy. Cena's willing to make fun of himself. You know, he's he's a lot more self-deprecating, and, and Rollins does not have that same quality. Yeah, like, Rollins is, like, he, he cannot be doing comedy. He's just not very good at it at all. He's very bad at it. Yeah. So you just, you shy away from stuff that people can't do. Like, this is not a, a prerequisite. He does not need to be doing comedy shit. And then... The director had all of the laughs here because we go from this and they cut to Becky and Michael Cole screams, well, Seth Rollins is that woman's boyfriend. And the tone was like, that's who she ended up with. I don't know. <laughs> like he, she's dating she could do that, better. that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so Becky took on Alexa Bliss non-title match. I won't lie. This third hour, like it's, I started to feel it here as we got like back to back Becky matches. And I didn't think either of them were all that strong. The first one, they go about seven minutes. Uh, Corey Graves got in a joke that Renee is on an ego trip after Twitter was so nice to her on Sunday. If you're following this, were they? Renee was, did, did you follow this? this Not really. A, so I felt bad for Renee. She puts out like a completely innocent tweet about, um, Something about, like, guys wearing baseball hats that tuck their ears in to the hat and that guys need to stop that. So, inevitably, like, (laughs) God forbid you tweet anything and you're a WWE performer. So people come at her and just knock her commentary in response to that and just tell her what a terrible announcer she is. Okay, my first question is, how many guys are out there that tuck their ears into their hats? Oh, I've seen it. It's... It is a partial thing. I mean, I've I never think done it. It's like it's very uncomfortable. I would imagine. Okay, but I mean, clearly she was just like being being entertaining, trying to be entertaining on Twitter. Um, if you can get upset, like to me, like if I did that, please make fun of me. You know, I would. I I think it's ridiculous. Anyway, don't so, tweet me, guys. If you wear so your hats like that, she gets a she gets attacked here, and she. she Comes back and she's like somewhat defensive here and not even defensive, but she comes back and to all these criticisms and says, here's the truth. I know I'm not great on commentary, but it's my job. I try to get better each week. People love to tell me how bad I am as if it's as if I think I'm great at it. So should I just quit? What would that say about me? Not easy to learn a skill on a on a gigantic global TV show. And, you know, you come back with a response like that, you're going to have a lot of people backing you up. Because Renee is, like, an incredibly likable person. And I don't even everybody... think she's bad. Like, if anything, like, like she's... 
Yeah, she's certainly not bad. There are worse. There are far worse on on, on like within that company. I, I think that there is it, there's absolutely room for fair criticism. She is not great, and she is not awful. Like that, I, I think either would be unfair to categorize her as, and I think she would be the first to admit that. I think to a larger part, though, it's just very toxic that you have to deal with this stuff, but that kind of comes with the territory of being on Twitter. In it's 2019, it is, it, it is it's certainly just, the case. That's, yeah. That is what it is. And I, it's, it's, you just, either uh, shut it out yourself place. or you, or you learn how to deal with it, you know? Um, that's or, it. Like, yeah. that's it. Twitter isn't changing. People aren't going to be any less shittier. It's just, that's what it's going to be like. And it's, it's unfortunate that that's what it is, but Twitter is not a necessity. We have such a reliance on Twitter and I, I think we come up with excuses to stay on Twitter and keep Twitter. And really, that comes down to yourself. And I include myself in this. I, I really feel like it's a kind of a cop-out when I say that, like, I need to be on Twitter for job stuff. I feel, I feel like I could be just fine without it. And some days, one day I might just completely disappear from it. I think, no I think you can just be gone. I think you can enjoy Twitter fine if you just follow the right people and just block the rest. Yeah. I'm I'm getting into more of a of a block. I used to be a muter, and now it's like, nah, blocking can be enjoyable too. I'm fine with that. Mm. Uh, but anyway, so that that was the uh, the Twitter side, and a lot of people came to her defense, and rightly so. She's someone that I think you can see. I, I think as a backstage announcer, she was phenomenal, and she's in she's literally learning this on the spot. And I think a lot of people have sympathy for that, and also knowing the structure of being a broadcaster in the WWE and what that comes with as opposed to any other wrestling company. I I don't know if Jerry Lawler in his prime could have could be better than Renee Young right now like with with the type of production that I think somebody like Renee Young probably has to work with. Um it's just a different world and I don't expect anybody to be that great under this kind of microscope. So then we uh continue the match here. Bliss uh, is blocking the disarmer several times. She drives her knees into Becky's sternum twice, including a standing moonsault. Uh, Becky comes back with clotheslines and then goes with a spin kick that does not land, but hits a second one and hits a Bexploder. Bliss is favoring her ankle and the referee pulls Becky away and Bliss is just dramatically crying. Like it's so over the top that you can't possibly take it seriously. And Nikki's checking on her. The trainer helps Bliss to the floor, and Mike Rome announces that she cannot continue, and Becky wins the match in seven minutes. I think it should, could have been just a little more subtle, and people would have uh, had a bit more doubt. Uh, mm-hmm. Or if you really wanted to really push things, she could have been, like, teasing a concussion. Right, or, yeah. is, that, or is that too too close? Uh, to yeah, maybe, maybe too much. And it's also a yeah. tougher thing to sell, you know? Right. Um, I mean, it was, it was clear this was an angle and you knew where this, this was going and it was not a very big angle either. So you don't have to put too much credence into it. So Nikki gets into Becky's face, just as screaming at her. And we come back with a match between Becky and Nikki and bliss is just seated on the floor with her ankle elevated. Uh, Becky drops her from the corner turnbuckle and hits the man handle slam to win the match in two and a half minutes. What a terrible name. The manhandle slam. All right. Anyway, um, so their plan, Alexa and Nikki's plan, was to wrestle like a ten-minute match. Pretend that you're injured partway through that match, so that you can have that match called, and you essentially lose that match, only so that Nikki can challenge in the event that uh, Becky 
would assume you would assume that Becky was going to accept the challenge only for Nikki to wrestle part of that match just so Alexa could reveal that the injury was fixed so that they could double team all this to double team Becky Lynch. Well, you see, Alexa went into this and she realized once I'm in trouble, I'm out. Really? It should have been Bob Sapp that was out there. Maybe, maybe Nikki should have been in Bob Sapp's corner. Like when that guy would sense trouble, he was getting out of a fight. And that's what Alexa did here. So maybe she went in optimistic she could beat Becky, but then realizing she maybe couldn't and had the backup plan and Nikki was ready. She knew. They have a code. Quite the plan. Yep. Um, and, you know, we, we obviously like in, in character, like this seemed really convoluted, but um, like this was the work of like writers who had to come up with ways to navigate this whole thing to to try to make sense all in an effort to fill two two segments worth of Becky Lynch match. Um, it was really convoluted and it obviously it was very predictable with Alexa ultimately turning, but I guess in the end they did manage to fill two Becky Lynch segments. I, what do you see for Alexa and Nikki at SummerSlam? Cause I don't think they're doing the match. I don't think so either. She's just like, Nikki's pretty much full on heel sidekick at this point. No tease. I'm, I'm kind of just, yeah, it's like, it seems like they are happy with the chemistry and they're going to keep them together because at first, it seemed like they were going to just do the dissension and build to that. It seems like they've just gotten away from that, and they're going to be paired together for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Becky is celebrating. Alexa jumps her from behind. Everyone's shocked. Natalia runs down, sends Alexa and, and Nikki out, and then places Becky into the sharpshooter. And she goes to the back. She's interviewed by Kayla and said that this is not about making friends. It's about being professional. And Becky, she is not going to shake hands with her after she beats her because she wouldn't trust Becky anyway to shake her hand. And she says she is challenging her to a submission match with the sharpshooter versus the disarmer, but she doesn't think Becky has the guts. Therefore, she is not issuing the challenge. I challenge you to a match that everybody wants to see, but I take it back so that you can challenge me for it instead the week before the pay-per-view. This is like uh, Sonya and, and uh, Mandy Rose having a title match that'll get them a title match. That's amazing. It's almost like a like they're glitching, like but in real life. Like it's almost like, a, like playing a season mode on a video game and it's glitching, but except it's real life. Um, I love the idea of the submission match. I think the way they set it up here with the whole Fit Finley thing, putting that focus on the disarmor as well as the sharpshooter, I thought was great. We haven't had a hot technical wrestling match in the women's division in quite a while um and i think in toronto this will get over especially well i think the the promos have been strong and the match type is strong uh let's hope that in ring it delivers i just didn't get like why you just didn't make this the submission match like think about this it's not as though natalia removing this stipulation prevents the disarmor from being a way to victory if anything it's saying i'm not going to use the sharpshooter against her like, I mean, you're, you're, I, you're not taking anything away by it's not as though this match can't end in submission. Okay, but the the idea of a submission match is that you can only use submissions, and um, you know, it limits you winning via the manhandle slam or any of her other moves or surprise pinfall. So it it's it certainly is a match type that's supposed to favor Natalia more, and this what, is just, what 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 type of match? How has Natalia? Ever won a match without the sharpshooter? 
She's probably a pin, like roll up or something. Some type of roll. They should up. have a roll up match. Oh, only roll ups. So what special if- in Canadian roll up the rim to win match. So wait a second. So if I'm already lying down on the ground, you can't cover me unless you get me to stand back up and roll me up. Yes. Yeah. You have to do a like 90 degree turn backwards. That's brilliant. Maybe you should be booking the show. Perhaps a 90 degree roll up match with a protractor on the screen. Like they have those, uh, those 3d images. They'll have a protractor and you can see what exact angle they're being pinned at. Maria is having a photo shoot with the title and is challenging anyone to pin her. And she walks into Braun Strowman and she's just like badgering this guy saying, do you know what a pregnant woman goes through? See, you are the kind of person that likes making the baby, but not taking care of it. And he just growls in anger. And that was Braun Strowman's role on the show. (laughs) I did not get the point of this at all. Like, why would she, first of all, why was it Braun Strowman that had to be in this segment? I think just for the comedy of him doing the reaction that they felt he could pull off here. So, and, and the size discrepancy. Wait a, a second. So, monster. so she's insinuating that Braun is just a type who likes to have sex but doesn't know how to be, be a father. And what, where's the comedy? What relation would you draw to, of any character on the roster, Braun Strowman being the recipient of a joke like this? What sexual thing has, have we ever seen of Braun? Um, like is Braun does. Strowman the 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 sex addict, <laughs> the sex addict Braun Strowman? I guess he's the, like what? <laughs> when what? And why was Braun's response just like grunting? Like he he's almost like confirming that yeah I am a stupid idiot I don't know how to talk and when you tell me to to uh, look angry I'm just gonna look angry. That kind of is the character, I guess. Um, this guy was, like, at one point supposed to be, like, your main event guy. You know, like, what? what? Well, he's feuding with Maria now. <laughs> yeah, I just, I didn't, I didn't understand why Braun had to be in this. I don't know what it did for anybody. Seth Rollins, Dolph Ziggler, with Rollins avenging Shawn Michaels. Seth comes out, and Shawn Michaels' music plays. And out comes Ziggler doing Sean's big entrance, putting the arms out. This actually got a lot of heat. Totally worked. Yes. Yes. I thought this was way better than when he was doing the uh, the fake entrances for that time. Like, that was terrible. But this was actually. Oh, yeah. He did that. Remember that? They're they're going back to that. But this time. Record scratch. It did get some heat. He tells Rollins that he lost his smile. And then he talks about the old guys coming back to take their spots and calls Shawn Michaels and Bill Goldberg pathetic. Yeah, so they're either setting up Ziggler versus Shawn, or they're building up a series of wrestlers all wanting to avenge Shawn, maybe including Goldberg. Goldberg avenging the, the super kick to Shawn Michaels. Listen, there, there, there is no way that they are bringing up Bill Goldberg three weeks in a row in promos without some payoff. So I feel that you have to be expecting Goldberg to be yeah, but, somewhere at the end of this. Okay, would you say the same thing for Sean? No, because I I genuinely believe that Shawn Michaels is is not doing a match. And but they're setting not, up the expectation for you to expect the Shawn Michaels versus Dolph Ziggler match. Yeah, they they certainly have have teased that. I feel it could be something more where, than teased it. Well, I can see them kind of going half in where Goldberg 
is he is avenging match. Shawn Michaels. Okay, like with Shawn in his corner or something. This is so bizarre. Goldberg is Goldberg beating him, and then Shawn like laying him out with a super kick is something maybe they do. I mean, who knows? Like, if Shawn, I don't know. Like, do you feel that this guy is really going to do another match again? I I don't I, think you can take anyone's uh, word as know. completely. Uh, whatever he's thinking today could I, all, could always change. I, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure who's coming back for for what, but but certainly this would not be the match for Sean. By the way, if he's coming back, I would not be doing it with Dolph Ziggler. Well, what I mean is just like that is the expectation that they're certainly setting up here. You know, Ziggler. But they've done that many times with Sean over the years, where they've teased stuff that they have no intent on delivering on, like Daniel Bryan. They pushed, the, like, you were just led to naturally think, like, they have to be doing this match. And they, they had no plans of doing the did, match. Did Sean ever get attacked for that? Yes. He got put in the, in, in the yes lock by Daniel Bryan, and that was his write-off. That's what he gave Bryan was he got to put him in, in the yes lock. I guess the difference was that Sean had not come back at that point. But now, since he has come back and headlined a show, I think you're setting the audience for disappointment if you don't fulfill it. Well, um, yeah, I, I, f- I feel like Goldberg, you, you have to be expecting at this point. And if it's SummerSlam, you got to do it pretty quick. We got, we got one more Raw. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say, uh, Ziggler goes on to say he's the real main event. He's the show stealer. And then he does the Shawn Michaels pose, which Michael Cole yelled is disgusting. <laughs> I actually, I thought Dolph was pretty good here. Who is Sean? Like, is Sean, like, suddenly, I mean, yes, he is Jesus, I suppose, but, like, you you, you can't even rip off his, his pose now? It's disgusting, way. How dare you? Ziggler gets sent to the floor with a clothesline. It's all Rollins until he takes a DDT onto the edge of the apron. And uh, I stand corrected. They did a third commercial break here um, uh, on one of the matches because this one got one, too. Rollins did his comeback, hit a, he blocked a jumping DDT into a Falcon Arrow, Ziggler then caught him, sent him into the post, shoulder first for uh, twice, and then hit a zigzag. Calls for the sweet chin music, but gets cut off by a super kick from Rollins. And then as Rollins is calling for the stomp, Brock Lesnar's music played. And he enters with Paul Heyman. Lesnar runs in, attacks Rollins for the DQ. And then we start to get the... We start to see CrossFit Jesus go through the stations of the Brock. Because... Rollins just got massacred for about the next 25 minutes. He took German suplexes. He got thrown into the barricade. He was F5'd into the post. He was hit with chair shots to the back. Then the chair was set up in the middle of the ring. Lesnar lift up Rollins and F5'd him onto the chair as he's selling the ribs. And Seth Rollins, your big baby face, the crowd is chanting one more time. And Lesnar is down to do it several more times. He drops him again with an F5 onto the chair. Rollins is choking and spitting up blood. And he was doing like the very exaggerated, uh, like wheezing sound. And then they go for a third F5 onto the chair. Heyman is pleading for Lesnar to stop. And Rollins is taken out on a stretcher as we go to the commercial. And that was the first half of our beatdown on Seth. How did you feel this came across? This was very violent, very vicious for a TV show beatdown to the point of concern. Honestly, like, oh man, like the the F fives onto those chairs did not look like they were in any way easy to take. So, 
if Rollins is okay, I thought this was great. I thought it added it like a really heavy angle for them. I thought it added a great deal of like severity to, I would say a match that, you know, at this point feels like it's a bit of a replay that I don't know how many people would have been interested to just see if they didn't do any type of uh, major angle for it. They needed something like this in order to kind of reheat that feud and maybe take it to a different level. Um, This beat that this was like, this is Brock Lesnar who does not give a shit whether or not you're hurt or not. And he he Rollins gave him his body and he took full advantage. Um, I hope Rollins is okay. If he is, then this whole thing was great. He could have super kicked Rollins. I mean, that would have been next level. Brock super kicking. Yeah, I mean that's that's the way to really get a a tragedy occurring. Did he ever throw a kick in the UFC? Brock. Yeah. Um. I mean leg kicks. Yeah. But not not a high kick that I can remember. I wonder if he would have trained them at least. Are you going to watch Cain Velasquez's match at Triple Mania this weekend? Yeah, I'll, I'll catch it probably after the fact. Not necess- not live. I'm planning to watch the whole show, but I think it's going to be a really, like, a marathon show. It's going to be one of those, like, five, six-hour deals, I think. So, in between segments, we got a sit-down interview. The Usos interviewing Roman Reigns to promote Hobbs and Shaw. Amazing. Unreal. Amazing. Just unreal. Um, yeah. I clearly, you know, something like this would have been shot, would have been planned way uh, weeks ahead. But God, the timing. There's no excuse, obviously, for like, uh, so okay, you can maybe excuse um Jimmy Uso getting the DUI the week before this was airing. But there's no real excuse, I think, for the Cena delivering the line on their own TV show in a scripted like setting. That's a great point. You did a DUI joke last week. Throw out what happened last last week with Jimmy, but you did the DUI joke. And then you were going to air this this week using the guys who have been hit with DUIs to interview Roman Reigns about the movie with fast cars. Yeah, I like I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wonder if like the producers of the film would see this and even connect like something like that together. But I can't imagine like somebody paying a lot of money for this type of promotion is happy that they're getting two men who now in storyline are confirmed like. DUI, uh, uh, I guess, uh, you know, uh, people people with records for DUIs promoting their, their movie about cars. It's It really is crazy. And multiples for Jimmy. Like, this was number three. Yeah. Uh, we also had the, the second half of the beatdown. Yes. Uh, I thought Corey Graves was great. When they came back, they showed the replay, and Corey Graves was pissed that they're glorifying this by replaying it. I thought Graves sold this really well. Yes, yes, they they know how to treat these serious angles really well. So, um, they're in the back, and Seth is being uh, taken to the ambulance, and he passes by Roman Reigns, which I like the fact that they showed us Roman Reigns, because you're watching this attack in the ring. He's the first person you're thinking of. So I'm thinking of Becky first. I guess you're thinking of Becky too, but I'm also not expecting Becky to run out and save him from Brock. Right. Uh, whereas Roman, you naturally would think of that. And maybe that was a bit of a gap because it was a long beat down in the ring with no help, but at least they acknowledged, you know, him backstage concerned for Seth. But Be- Becky, the- Becky was there too. Like in Becky the dis- was in the back in the distance. Yeah. She- okay. I didn't see her. Yeah. Right. Um, Reigns is also with the Usos and then they're walking in the background and you see Gallows and Anderson jump them. And the camera follows this new attack 
where Gallows and Anderson beat down the Usos. Samoa Joe jumps Roman Reigns, and then they're beaten down. The camera, this is all one continuous shot, turns over and pans to the ambulance and goes towards the ambulance. And this was like, there was no cut here. It's it's impressive, yeah. Sometimes, you know, we criticize them for overproducing, but sometimes overproducing is absolutely necessary because there, there were a lot of moving pieces here and probably only one take to do it. I think they probably did hold all this live. This came right after the, the last segment. So maybe like maybe one or two rehearsals, maybe if that, and then just like live on air. They this pulled it off the, really the, well. The goddamn West Wing scene of Raw. So they go back to the ambulance and it's going to take off Seth and then it slams on the brakes and we cut to the front, and Brock is is facing the ambulance in the in front of it to awesome. prevent it from leaving. It was awesome. Just like the 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 character from like the horror movie that is alive, and he goes to the back, opens up the ambulance, throws out Seth. He dumped onto the concrete floor, and Brock proceeds to F five Seth onto the stretcher, and Seth is dead. Yeah, man. Like this. You know, like, I didn't see the three F5s onto the chair coming. Certainly, after all that, I didn't think that they would add to it by having Brock come back here, stop the ambulance, and just, like, toss, like, (laughs) the ride he gave Seth coming out of that ambulance onto the floor was incredible. Like, in one swift motion, he just, like, tossed him, like, strapped onto this gurney, like, falling right off of the ambulance onto the floor, and then to F5 him again onto the, the, the stretcher itself. You know, this was something, an attack where I'm not exactly sure how much heat they added to an already very serious and an already a very hot angle. Um, but I it did get them to another commercial break. Um, so this was kind of another instance where I felt like there were segments on Raw tonight that felt like as brief as this, you know, maybe five minutes long. But even within the five minutes, you don't feel like your time was wasted because they delivered something visually compelling, something that clearly required a great deal of physical sacrifice and pain for in the performance of a Seth Rollins in order for our enjoy uh, for us to enjoy. So thank you, Seth, your sacrifice so that we could fit another commercial break in here without being too bored. Much appreciated. Yeah. I think maybe coming out of this week, he's going to have a better reception than he did last week on Monday. What was last week? Oh, last week was his, his, his comments. Oh, on Food. Twitter. Yeah. Did you take uh, AJ and Gallows and Anderson, who have all just signed contracts recently, and AJ having this full table of food? Did you take that as like a, a, a subtle reference? Because that's what I thought. <laughs> I really didn't. I think that would be a really subtle deep cut. Um, like given – I wouldn't necessarily piece it together unless it was literally three guys that you know have greatly benefited from the situations they have found themselves in with contracts up this year, especially Gallows and Anderson. I mean how much of – of the audience would really understand that these three were recently re-signed. I think it was just a wink for their own enjoyment. I didn't think it was, this was not for the, the mass audience to clue I, in together, but I certainly put those two together. I, I, I would like to give them the benefit of the doubt to think that they're not petty to that extent. I don't even think it's petty. I think it's it'd just be funny. Um, so anyway, Seth is dead. Um, I think this this uh, angle, this feud needed something like this because I did not sense Lesnar and Rollins feeling all that hot two mm-hmm. weeks out from SummerSlam. If anything, I think it's almost a stretch that Seth has to come back and wrestle a match in two weeks after such a vicious beatdown. But um, he certainly it's obviously sh- going to he certainly shouldn't wrestle next week. 
You know? No, definitely not. I mean, I hope they really sell this. I wish they had more time than that, but SummerSlam's in two weeks, and he should wrestle hurt at SummerSlam. Yes. Like, he should be all bandaged up. He should not just be coming out, and he's Braun Strowman after um, a goddamn whatever he had. Spleen. Um, ruptured spleen. spleen. Yes. Uh, this uh, Rollins may have ruptured everything here. So... I'm yeah, curious to know, like, angle. I'm curious to know, like, what his actual injuries might be coming off of these, because these, none of these look like soft landings. The guy took a lot tonight. Yeah, Brock is also advertised for next week's Raw. I don't know what you do with Brock beyond this, though. I hope they have a great idea for next week's show in Pittsburgh. So the final segment, we were we were promised a Samoan summit, and therefore we had to get our Samoan summit way. Joe comes out. And he announces the summit has been canceled due to ca- catastrophic events that have affected peace talks. He is here to fight and call out Roman Reigns. And Roman Reigns comes out and they fight. Okay. Now, I, I wonder if they just had a different idea for what this was going to be. and Or if this was just always what it was supposed to be. I'm, I'm wondering the same thing. You know, did potentially maybe the previous segment go longer? Did did they mm. or did they never intend on doing this summit in the first place? What was uh, what what does the summit in, even entail? See, I don't I don't imagine like it was just going to be an interview segment. I'm sure, but I right. I don't know really what this was planned. This was a, this is as much a summit as the opener was a mosh pit. Yes, just different names and titles for traditional segments. So Reigns comes out. They fight for a while. Uh, highlighted by Reigns lifting up the steps and throwing them at Joe's head. Drew McIntyre runs down to help out Joe. Drew gets sent into the crowd. He brawls with Joe. Then they return ringside, so it's Joe and Drew double-teaming Reigns until Cedric runs down to help out Reigns, and he gets in offense onto Drew McIntyre and then gets cut off by a Joe clothesline. Drew takes Cedric up the ramp, and Joe and Reigns make their way to the announcer's desk. The Usos come out. Anderson is out. Gallows is out. Everyone's brawling on the stage when Cedric Alexander is on top of the set and dives off with a cross body, which was the big visual of the final segment. Really impressive. I I would say that dive is probably the most notable thing Cedric has done so far on the main roster. Maybe like, well, not not the WWE, but yeah, like since he's been called up for sure. I hope they replay this a lot. This was a cool spot for Cedric Alexander to have. Drew and Cedric then go back to the ring. The Claymore gets cut off with a drop kick, and then Cedric is stopped by Anderson and Gallows. Then the Magic Killer is avoided. Reigns is in. Superman punches all around, and then Cedric hits a Topicon Hero onto Drew. Double Uso super kicks to Joe. Reigns spears Joe, and the closing shot is Roman Reigns, the Usos, and Cedric Alexander standing tall at the end of Raw. I like it. I like it. I think... um the the baby faces came across really well here. Cedric certainly is boosted um, by having that notable spot, as well as I think being a part of this faction. Hopefully, it's a faction. I mean, maybe I'm 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 talking too quick, but it was a really fun, chaotic end to the Raw. To, to Raw, um, I personally would have probably ended with a Rollins angle, but I think for the in arena crowd, perhaps this made sense. Yeah. Um. So that ends things. And so where is probably- this leading to? By the end of this, I really didn't know what like what you're getting at SummerSlam. It feels like they may go through and just do Drew McIntyre and Cedric. I imagine the tag teams are all going to be thrown into some big match together. And I still think there's the question about I like 
Reigns and Joe, this really did not, he beat them clean and left Joe laying this week. Uh, it really doesn't feel like a match that we need to do again. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the question is who, who is Roman going to face at SummerSlam? I would imagine we're probably going to have to figure out really soon because we have three shows left mm-hmm. and maybe we'll find out on SmackDown Tuesday. Maybe it's the fact that we're coming off of so many bad Raws, but I thought Raw was really strong this week. It was a wrestling-heavy show. Thank goodness the commercial breaks are no longer a thing. And I thought there were plenty of segments on this show that created uh, interest to SummerSlam that felt really like serious or very organic and just not completely you know, stifled by weird resets. So overall, I thought this was a good show. Uh, it was a sh- it was a show that at times there was questionable stuff on this show. I thought there was enough to make up for it though on this show. I think the gauntlet came off fairly well. I thought that the uh, in particular the Cesaro Ray match I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, the angle with with Seth and Brock was a high point of the show, and the closing stuff was like really chaotic. And I think it was a um, cool way to end the show as well. So those would be my my highlights uh, of the show. So. How do you feel about SummerSlam right now, where we've got a large amount of the card, but probably still a bunch of matches to come? I think uh, the women's um, uh, Raw championship match is being built pretty well. I think after tonight, Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar feels like a a much hotter match than it did before. Um, We've yet to... What else do they have? The Fiend versus Balor? You know, it's the Fiend's in-ring debut. I think Toronto will treat treat that one really well as well. Uh, Who's Kofi's opponent? Did they announce? Randy Orton. Orton, yeah, that that was great. Like that was great last week. So I think that'll be really hot as well. So I mean, I'm I'm actually looking forward to SummerSlam. And then you've got the angle with uh, with Trish and Charlotte that probably comes yes, out on Tuesday. That's right. Um, yes, it's a good know, looking I, card. I think this is shaping up to feel like a a pretty big card. Owens and, and Shane has uh, you know a stipulation attached to it, and I think that's a mm-hmm. program that has been working. Um, we'll see what they do. Bailey and Ember Moon doesn't feel like the hottest match in the world right now. Um, Becky and Natalia is, it's kind of getting there. It's, they've had some decent stuff so far on television. AJ and Ricochet, hopefully that's like a really great match and they get, they get some time and click, which, you know, they were, they were kind of hampered at the last pay-per-view. I felt like they were hurt by the crowd and it also wasn't, I think the match level that people were expecting, but they'll get another opportunity there and whatever else gets added to this show, it's probably going to be a lot of stuff. Already, already on paper, I feel like this is like a, a much more serious and at least a far more attractive card than we've we either had at Extreme Rules, Stomping Grounds, or like Super Showdown. Any of those. All right, uh, before we get on out of here, let us go to the feedback, and we will start off with uh, tonight's rating. What do you think this one got? I'm gonna guess six point eight. 6.5 tonight on Raw. Okay, Paul from New Jersey. One of the weirder openings to the show I can recall. I enjoy Carmella, just not when she sings. This Mike and Maria angle gets worse and worse each week. I'm curious to see how they get the title off of her, though. Cesaro and Ray put on some of the best wrestling I've seen on Raw in a long time. First DUI offense, you get rewarded with the tag titles. Second DUI offense, you get rewarded with a tag title shot. And long match on primetime. Will the third offense net Jimmy an intercontinental title shot? I couldn't enjoy this match. We can complain about storylines and who we want to see more, shine more, but this is another level of gross. 
With no repercussions, I don't doubt Jimmy gets behind the wheel of a car again. Well, you see what they earn with a, a third offense. He he got a promotional deal with the Fast and the Furious. And was the cl- in the closing shot of Raw, like positioned very highly with the top babyface on the show. So I completely like it turned me off as well. The fact that it was it was not just a okay, we got we got to lay low. We're not really going to punish this guy. It was like no, we're we're gonna push this guy more than ever. Like it's like there was absolutely no kind of uh, public statement uh, of a deterrent to anyone watching this that there's any discernible punishment that comes with this kind of offense, even a multiple time offense. We got MJ who says, "I never want to hear Seth Rollins described." As Becky Lynch's boyfriend again, he's becoming a corny. Neither champion. does she. <laughs> he's becoming a corny champion who is second to his significant other. I have no problem that she is the man in the relationship, but he is portrayed as a dweeb doing a catchphrase and goofing around too much. It's bad. I want to see Brock destroy him. Seth Rollins rant aside, good episode of Raw in the sense that it featured a lot of talent. Cesaro, Andrade, heel Sammy, Ray Ricochet, etc., etc., all had good screen time. Even Cedric, I appreciate that. They are the future, so after a week of the past, a nice change of pace. The 24-7 championship, which was doing well in providing funny bits, was trashed tonight. First, the title is not on the line in the match. Is that right? I could have sworn they said that that it was on, but MJ could be right. He says, then a pregnant Maria pins her husband. Now, if this was a BTE bit, I have no doubt it would be paid off well. But Maria? Pregnant? On Raw? I'm not holding my breath. All right. We continue here. Andrew from Cape Breton. I like the show tonight. I know comparisons to the Attitude Era are old and tired at this point, but back in my day, kids, we had a guy who literally murdered a guy's dog and fed it to him. Even after the Attitude Era, we had a guy going around talking about how it wasn't his fault he made someone have a miscarriage, but sure, but made sure to mock that tragedy. Do heels nowadays have such strong morals that they aren't willing to beat up a pregnant woman for glory? Wrestlers nowadays have become soft. The matches were also pretty good tonight, and unless they were doing picture-in-picture, it seemed like they got rid of the nonsensical, no commercial breaks. The only low light was Jimmy Uso being out there, and I think someone need, something needs to be done with him, at least with him getting help. And did Nikki Cross call Becky Lynch the C-word? Well, I heard some people comment about this. I didn't go back to listen to this. I don't know if um, okay. uh, the C-word got in there. Maybe, maybe she was trying to set up a match for SmackDown next week. Oh, uh, what do you See mean? See you next Tuesday. Oh, I didn't know that. That's good. Uh, we go to Neil from Northern Ireland, who actually thinks that Nikki Cross, pretty sure he she said cow, okay. and not that other word in her strong glass. Those are two words that they may start with C, but sound very different. Especially coming with, uh, you know, from Nikki. So, yeah, maybe. I I don't know. What is going on with Sami Zayn, he says. No 50-50 booking for him. I'm struggling to think of a single win since his return from injury. He has made he was made to look spectacularly bad tonight. Perhaps for Vince and his inner circle, being politically liberal or anti-Trump on Twitter deserves the sort of punishment that multiple DUIs might warrant in a rational world. Jay from Colorado. I saw a picture last week from the Raw reunion where the Click and DX were hugging and laughing while Seth Rollins was standing there alone watching. It was dubbed the Gratitude Era. And while last week was a blatant example of the WWE not letting go of the past, tonight was a little more subtle, but not much. Vagina? Really? By no means. I'm not a guy who gets offended easily, but I do get easily offended by shitty comedy. And while the live crowd reacted positively, I groaned. 
I feel like we are going to get a news report tomorrow or Wednesday that Vince frantically rewrote Raw just an hour before the show again. I really hate to sound like a broken record, and I feel like a jerk writing in every week and being so negative, but I just feel like instead of the show progressing, it's regressing. On a side note, if you guys aren't watching The Boys, you need to. Best superhero show I've seen, and it uses vulgarity to mindfully advance the story lines, not for shock value. You will dig it. Oh, this is the second time somebody's uh, asked us to check out The Boys. Finally, Joe from Niagara says, well, Raw was a lot lot better than last week's ridiculous reunion. Strange opening to the show. However, I like the idea of starting Raw with a match instead of a long-winded useless promo i really enjoyed ray mysterio versus cesaro to start to start the gauntlet i thought becky's promo on a moment of bliss was solid they need to keep her doing promos like that and far away from seth rollins and his cringeworthy promos uh okay all right all right well thank you everybody for your feedback and that is going to bring a close to rewind to raw but we will be back tuesday night with rewind to smackdown and Probably have most of the SummerSlam card in place, I would imagine, by the end of SmackDown. You would think. I, I would think so as well. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see. We we have probably 15 more matches to come, but we're, we're pretty much there. <laughs> yeah. We got the lion's share. We only have card. seven hours to fill. Yeah. I, th- I think they've got the first five hours kind of uh, earmarked at this point. So now it's just filling in the blanks. <laughs> Uh, so we're winding us back down tomorrow night, but in the afternoon or maybe a little bit earlier in the evening, probably still in the evening, expect our latest G1 review on our Patreon feed. This is uh, uh, a block action. Yes, yes. We will be back on on Tuesday chatting about the A block show, which is headlined by Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Evil and Kazuchika Okada taking on Lance Archer, uh, Will Ospreay versus Zack Sabre Jr. So should be another really good A car, uh, A block match. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right. Final prediction. Is the Lanchard going to get the win? Yes. All right. I think we're now in agreement. You've definitely convinced me. All right. Thank you to everyone for listening, and we'll speak with you on Tuesday.